Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, saving Portland from aliens, it's Claire Williams. Well, I'm in London, bruv. You don't understand. It's mental. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're already starting. This um, isn't good. I, 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 shouldn't, I don't know why I put the cough lozenge in before I started recording. Because right. now my British accent isn't as spectacular as it usually is. Because mm. ladies and gentlemen, please. Usually. Please. It's amazing. It's impeccable. Yeah. Do we have to have a competition? We all have to do our like. Oh, I think so. Like London yeah. accent. At least you need to throw in at least five bruvs throughout the podcast. Yeah, I, think I mean, a, for this a, a bruv is needed. Yes. <laughs> in it, yeah, that's that's. Oh, needed there too. we go. <laughs> it's so funny that so I watched it. This is kind of skipping ahead, but I watched this movie for the first time years and years and years ago. I can't even remember when. Um, I probably like twenty fifteen or something. I rewatched it like today um, as someone who has gotten into British rap for the last like two years of their lives. I'm now like, oh, I know what all of this means now. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> it was one of those crazy things like, oh, I get it. At first, it was like the, uh, when I first watched it, it was like gibberish because I didn't under- understand any of the slang. You listen to British rap for like a year or two and you'll start being like, oh, yes. OK, now I understand. like some of the stuff in here still kind of caught me off guard. Maybe it's a little old for because the rap I'm listening to isn't like, I don't go back to 2011 and be like, what's the exact British slang I should be looking into? <laughs> um, but it's still just kind of like one of those things where I'm like, oh, okay, I know what that means. I know what that means. Because it, you know, first time it was just like, I couldn't understand a single word. But now I'm like, all right, I can kind of, I have I have a Rosetta Stone now. I can kind of, you know, just listen to like five fire in the booths um, and then you'll be set. Uh, There's fire that in the and then I do still need subtitles like every oh, yeah. British film like yeah. <laughs> well I think it, I mean I didn't mean that I can like understand the exact like I can I couldn't hear them better I mean I could like understand what they meant in context of like what the actual words meant rather than no I can't still like understand what they say I still have to have like subtitles to be like oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. this isn't British so no one come after me uh because we're talking about uh Ireland for this but um my mom watched the TV show Dairy Girls. She tried to watch it and she was like, it's not that funny. I don't get it. And I was like, put the subtitles on. And then she was like, oh, then I could understand it. And it was hilarious. That's and it's like so totally funny. changed her whole perspective on when she put the subtitles on. She was like, oh, okay. She didn't even think about it. Cause she was like, it's in English. I should understand it. And I'm like, but yeah, uh, I have I, really I'm, thick I, Irish accents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of uh, British Bake Off and mm. That's that's also their thing where it's like I can't do it. It's like some yeah, of yeah. Accents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the entire the <laughs> <laughs> that is that is everybody. That is a cornucopia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, plethora cornucopia. We're just getting them getting them in today. We got all the words I that I love. I know. I feel like we can end things. You've done a British accent. Yeah, we're done. Um, <laughs> we'll be done after we go into attack the block. But first, how about what we've been watching recently? Does that sound good? Finish the Metro games. I, we recorded this quite close to um, our Godzilla, our Shin Godzilla episode. So if like I just finished them, I'm now trying this the Bioshock games. I'm doing all the first person shooters that I've never played before, I guess, or like the in, the real big ones. Uh, mm. It's funny. Bioshock is way more creepier than Metro. Metro is like about like you know, like mut- mutations and darkness and like you know like bad flashlights. And just like, you know, we're going through these deep, dark, you know, underground tunnels and, you know, making sure you don't get eaten alive or whatever. 
in Bioshock, I don't know. It's just, I think it's like just the overall vibe of it. It's so much more isolating and you don't have a character at all, really. Like, I don't think you hear him speak um, and you have no one really with you. It's pretty isolating. So it, it's really creepy and it's really like, it stresses me out. So I'm. it's one of those games I can't binge. I kind of have to take breaks on and off. So that's been, that's been kind of fun. Oh, uh, I mean, the Bio, well, Bioshock, funny enough, like they were announced, they, they found Francis... <laughs> What, Lawrence was it the, the Constantine director? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's gonna um, he's a Hunger couch. Games director. Yeah, I believe. No, bad choice. Right. I don't know. Like I, I've been, I, I've been I've seen a playthrough of the third game, and I've been playing the first game, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, this is like he's not. I like Constantine. I'm one of those Constantine defenders. Um, but I don't I don't see the I don't see the connect. Like I don't think the guy who directed Red Sparrow should direct the Bioshock game. Yeah. Or a, a movie, I just don't. Oh, never mind. Gary Ross it. was the first Hunger Games, and then Francis Lawrence did the others. Yeah, he did the rest of them. Yes. Yeah. Francis yes. Lawrence also directed I Am Legend. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah, I wanted Gary Ross, though. Gary Ross is my pick for Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if that was my opinion? What if, yes. like, oh, man, they really missed out on Gary Ross, everyone's favorite auteur. Ocean's well, we 8, were, Gary Ross. We were actually talking about it recently, and... You know, you really vouched for Louis Leturier for Bioshock. Oh, I did. Uh, this... <laughs> yeah, right. I love me some. I love me that fucking Frenchman, that hard directing Frenchman. Yes, yes. Everyone's favorite oh, journeyman, uh, Louis Leturier. Um, Louis Leturier. <laughs> now we're doing yeah. French accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, anytime there's an opportunity to clown on the French, I'm gonna do it. I mean, you you know, you give me the basketball, I'm gonna shoot it. Uh, I just fr- like fr- friend of the pod, Luke and Kenny would would happily join you in, in that. Yeah, French. You know the French need to be taken down a tag or two. That's my opinion. All right, that's all I'm yep. saying. Yep. Uh, for me, I I had the absolute fortune to see Mad Max to the Road Warrior in theaters yesterday. Oof. Um, it's this movie that came out in the '80s. Now it's uh, a gorgeous, stunning print. Like it looks amazing. Sounds amazing. New cars go vroom vroom. The cars went really fast. Uh, very dirty, scuzzy. A lot of sand. Movie. A lot of sand. Uh, lots of lots of sand. It's it's about uh, someone who's very grumpy. I don't know. Uh, Do we have a got cod piece in there? Is this like the a cod piece for a dude who might go by a <laughs> name that might be uh that could be referred to as a um how do I say this uh, uh what's the uh, an innuendo? Uh, yes, yes. Um. Lord Humongous, because because I'm yes. I'm referring that he could have a pretty gigantic yes. penis. Who knows? Like you know, there's um. You forget the design of Lord Humongous is just startling. Like, just that he looks like a gym bro who who got like a sense of power, <laughs> like the the belt buckle around his. Yeah, what if like a crossfit and... was into BDSM but also liked knights? That was like the design. It was like, what if he had like armor, yeah. but also wanted to do crossfit and also wanted to like be a bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a specific combination and and the movie's very silly but it never loses its sense of grandiose like it's it's still it's still good you know um i can report back it's still good uh no shit no, i was worried thank you i'm so yeah. worried about that i, know, I didn't know yeah. if it was so good anymore <laughs> i just saw this weekend i saw beast did either of you mm, see that? Yes. i really want to see it yeah. It ruled. I, I probably will it. this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you can tell from my pick for this ep- for this uh, episode, I love creature features, and Beast is a great creature feature. Uh, we don't have anything extraterrestrial; just a rogue lion that is 
almost supernaturally undefeatable. This thing will not die. But it's great. It's a really tight, uh, like, kind of old school thriller. It just delivers everything that you want it to. If you watch the trailer and you're like, that looks awesome, that's the movie. That's pretty much it. Right. And it's great. Right. <laughs> and Idris Elba's great. Uh, I feel like he gets miscast a lot of the time. Like, I like him as an actor, but I feel like mm. a lot of directors don't really know what to do with him. He's right. great in this. He anchors it. Um, uh, so the two actresses who play his daughters are great. Um, mm -hmm. Notably, not his real daughters. <laughs> Did you see that? As, we, as, we, as it's been noted, yeah. <laughs> as his real daughter is saltily noted. Um, <laughs> also, Good for him. Uh, Good for him. Charlotte Copley is in this film, and it was really nice to see him again. Uh, yeah. He's so good. And just talk about someone else has had kind of a weird career. Yeah. 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 I feel like yeah. he had sort of his breakout moment with District 9 and then never kind of. Oh, I thought you were going to say Hardcore Henry. I thought that was his breakout moment. No. <laughs> yeah. No. It's sort of like Wait. him and uh, what's the Neil, Neil Blomkamp? Like, yeah. sort of were like on the rise, and then they're just like, where are they yeah. going? Well, okay, that's insulting to Chartal Copley. Chartal Copley has been way more successful <laughs> than fucking say, Neil Blomkamp. The man can't even direct a Halo series. Come on. Yeah, I was gonna say I do feel like Neil Blomkamp's. He was in like Copley was in Free Fire and like <laughs> yeah, other yeah, yeah. He's definitely been around. No, not a bad career at all. No, I didn't yeah. mean that. It was just like. Yeah. But well, if you compare him to Blomkamp, it's a bad career because yeah. that guy has <laughs> yeah. a bad career. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no offense, Neil. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Maybe offense. A lot of people would put offense to Chappie. I think. So wait, does the film take place in South Africa? In yes, Beast? it does. Beast does take place in South Africa. Okay, so obviously you get Car Copley. I mean, if you're if you need a white guy in South Africa, you get Chateau Copley. Yes, that's that's exactly. the or the dudes from Lethal Weapon Two. Those are the two options. Uh, <laughs> no one else. Yeah. When you set a film there, it's on the contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know of any other good white actors coming out from South Africa that aren't Shelter <laughs> Copley or the dudes from Beautiful Weapon 2. Charlize Theron, excuse you. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, she's been very good not to put that part of her career, like not yeah, have I that mean, be a part of her, right. her, her, her she's, arsenal. She's been in the States for so long and she doesn't have an accent. Like she, I yeah, can pull up the oppressor anytime I want. Too, <laughs> Just like, you never want to be known to be, but unless and Copley's found the, like, is again, one of the rare people who can kind of find a way to make South Af a white South African be charming. Because they're usually <laughs> right. just not like, it's usually well, a pretty like a uh, hard like, who? wait, what? Yeah, I mean, I no spoilers for Beast, but I will say I kept waiting for like him to pull some shit. Like I kept right, waiting for it to be like, oh, is he the villain? <laughs> like I kept Cold waiting. Boy. And I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think part of it was just the white South African thing. I was like, are you really the villain? Well, <laughs> and him, I mean, he looks like he's, he's, backstabbed you already five times before you already met him he look he has that face of just mm -hmm. like oh you've already you've already figured out a way to fuck me out of this haven't you like you you yeah he's he's a he kind of has middle a, manager energy yeah like <laughs> you're just reporting to somebody else there's this class of reptilian actors that no one wants to talk about and he's one of them he looks like a reptile mm -hmm. him who else is in this okay class? I vincent know. cassell vincent cassell Ooh, yeah. he's, he looks like a reptile and Aiden Gillum, or no, is it which the Irish one? Um, oh yeah, um, Game of Thrones. Yes, Littlefinger. Yeah, hmm. he looks like a reptile. He does. Um, they look like reptiles. I don't know what. That's the that's the quote of the episode. Yeah, they look like a reptile. 
<laughs> I, I, I truly like those three are, you know, Copley included the reptiles. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, pe- you know, people have like, oh, rep- you know, like the secret lizard people are controlling the government. No, 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 no. You haven't all, you haven't misunderstood. It's character actors. That's where they are. They're in character actors. That's, they are not leading the, movies. No, yeah, that's the, you're missing the point. The conspiracy is not, you know, a shadow government. Is that they are they are in bit parts in films. Yeah. You just need to understand this, and then you know, open your mind's eye. What you know? Yep, yep. And sometimes they're the standout of films, and then you're like, oh, I get it now. And you just get to see District Nine. You know, he's right there. Like, are you a Balthazar Cormacar head? Because I know, like, you know, he's made some pretty good, like, well, that's the thing. as well that's as Beast. Like, everything where I'm now reading up on this guy, it's like, oh, is this guy now for me? Like, 90 minutes. Yeah, I feel like he's your guy. 90 minute, you know, thriller directors. Can I, like, can I, can, can I get in? Um, so that's why I want to see Beast, because it does seem yeah. like I'm my, my kind of movie, a 90 minute, you know, like, it's 90 minutes, right? It can't be it longer. Is, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Let's, it was two hours. I think I've probably. <laughs> rob someone i don't even know. stretching it at hour 50 i I, you know. <laughs> I probably go beat out beat the shit out of a you know blind alien beast of some kind yeah i don't know i i don't know what i would do um, um i i saw a drifted everest in theaters and no he's he's got the goods I well see but some of this stuff it. is like but some of this stuff is like it came out this decade so or 2010s and i'm just like yeah do I do? Like, do I watch we're, it? Do twi- I just, like, we're twiddling our thumbs. Yeah. Do I just like, chomp at the bit and just go, oh, my, yeah. I want it. Uh, or do I kind of like, wait, I don't know. Just yeah. like kind of yeah. play the waiting game. Like, who's going to yeah. pick it? Who's going to pick We shall it? see. Yeah. No one's going to pick all of them. So I guess I have to figure out which one. Like, I guess I have to watch Contraband. I guess I have to watch the Mark Wahlberg one because I don't think anyone's going to yeah. pick that one. No one. I think there's someone going to pick a drift or whatever. I don't think any, or, or and even, maybe even Everest. I think Everett's been, has Everett's been on a short list of ours yet? Hasn't someone had to look, Everest on a short list? I have to look again. Sw- maybe. Swear to God. Swear to God someone has put Everest on their short list. Yeah. And and I bet it's someone wild too. It's not like who knows. You okay. want you you want to climb Everest? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of actors in there. There's a lot of career yeah, actors. There's, there's, yeah, a lot of career. Yeah. It's one of those movies yeah. where it has that. Wait, who? It has that? Yeah. Him? Mia Vasikowska. Yeah. Or Mia Goth. Like Mia Goth and Everest. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, like you're in the, yeah. But I guess like I gotta watch Contraband. <laughs> the one that no one's like, oh yeah, that was a movie that existed. But that see, it might not even be good. So I don't I don't know what I said. Yeah. I, I gotta watch I think, these though. No, but you dig the shit out of Contraband. It's totally your vibe. Um I'm a big Mark Wahlberg fan. Everyone knows that about me. <laughs> I love Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> that is the biggest Mark Wahlberg uh, you'll find. Oh my the god. Wahlbergers every day. God. Wouldn't <laughs> bad I restaurant. Oh, I know. You know how everyone, oh, I, you can say that, you're allowed. Uh, I can't, I can't say that. I'm not, I'm, you know, I can't say that. Um, but I, it, it's funny how everyone on film Twitter has like a brand, like, oh, I'm a big, you know, uh, Verbinski head. Oh, I'm a big Del Toro head. I'm a big, you know, Denzel head. No one's a big Wahlberg head. No one wants to admit that. That's very funny oh. to me. No. You ever notice that? There's like no one's like, oh yes, the next Mark Wahlberg film. Be one for good reason. Person. Yeah, but it has to be one. right. Like, but someone with like 30 followers or whatever. Like, it's, I don't. There's no one well respected who would. Admit right. That. Well, not even well respected. Even people who just follow. Like, I don't even. Like, yeah. I, I take take even this like the trash out from film Twitter. The people you know, like you're. You know, well, I, I don't want to go naming names. Um, because that's that's an, that's another podcast. Um. Oh, I don't know. John Campia. I guess he doesn't listen. Let's uh, yeah, let's name him. He sucks. 
I guess he's not really film Twitter though. I guess he's more. No, YouTube. no. I think he's like on another. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine. But, yeah. But yeah, like even someone like that isn't gonna be like Wahlberg, man. All the Wahlberg joints. I love me some Wahlberg. I mean, I, I think people will say he's actually not that bad, or oh, he was actually pretty good in X. But no one's that, that's no one's brand. No one wants to be known as a Wahlberg. They'll say he was good in Boogie Nights, and that's it. Right. They'll be like, we'll I think have to if like some... in the one PTA film that he was in. Yes. Right. Or the Departed. <laughs> I think if someone is going to make an actor their brand that they their brand that they ride or die for, it's going to be them as their work and as their per and them as the person most of the time. It's why past and future guests of the show like Roxanne Haddadi and Jordan Corsiolo have just done screen drafts on Ryan Gosling. It's like they love mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling as a person and as an actor. I don't know if people will go as far to say Wahlberg as a person as well as the entire, or not a majority of the breath. Well, I mean, people say stupid shit all the time. I'm just curious. It's, just, I, 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 it's you know, yeah. out of all the things, you'll even see shit about, you know, like Woody Allen or whatever. And, and I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying that, you know, like one, very problematic figures have had plenty of defenders, plenty of people who are just like, mm-hmm, like, you know, like, ra- raise up the pitchforks. And of course, Wahlberg is nowhere near as talented as many of those people, but is one of those things it's surprising that there isn't just that one person who's just like a new Wahlberg movie give it to me baby. Yeah. I want it I want to watch the whatever thing he just released on Netflix I would I was gonna make a joke about it but I couldn't even remember the title was it me yeah. it's not uh me time is that it yeah the Kevin Hart film like me that. time yeah, yeah. yeah that's that it yeah is. you got it <sighs> I learned that's not real. real they don't exist I, I want to make sure I want everyone to make sure that or to know that I didn't remember that. That wasn't something I like. It was. It came out today. It was. Or like it was. Yeah. I learned that today. I didn't know that a week ago and remembered it. Please don't tell. <laughs> please don't associate me with that kind of idea. Like I don't remember those things. Yeah, that's not something well, the, I want to remember. I would just also like to add that the only reason why you remembered it, like in the moment, barely, was because you and I were offered the roles, and then we declined, sure. and we gave them to Kevin and Mark sure. uh, graciously. But. Yeah, I know. I was going to be Kevin Hart's character. Different, yeah. different, different movie. Different movie. Oh, God. Regina different Hall, movie. what are you doing in this movie? Um, She's in but, that? No. I, I, wait, what, we have no control over this. But like, I thought the on, Oscars would be the worst thing she did this year. Let alone. Yeah, apparently Save for Jesus is supposed to be pretty good. So like, I've heard good things about that. Yeah. It, yeah my, it, it, is she directing? No, no. It's a Sundance movie she did with Sterling K. Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's like a um I don't know it's like a religious comedy. Yeah, was it Sunday? It, it might be a dro- debut actually. Oh, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, what we need another say, say, uh we need support the girls. That's what we need. We need another mm. one of those. Yes. Good movie. Good episode. Uh, what, what's it called? All right, now I already fucked it up. For shit. <laughs> um, it's what we call a segue. Ha! Huh. Please, right, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. So we talked about You're people so good who you know people who you know, kind of talk and, you know, analyze and obsess over an actor's career because of their personal and their career work, such as uh, Kyle Amato with, uh, you know, his Ethan Hawke podcast called Hawkcast. Um, you know, with, uh, and, and we also have a, a, someone joining us who does a very similar thing and analyzes and obsesses over an actor's career. Uh, with also attributing uh, some parts of the podcast, uh, talking about his personality and his personal work I, I, jack you can do the rest side that, that was all i got that was my oh, that was oh my, my gosh, that okay. was my segue that was all <laughs> that's all i got yeah 
LCD, Lake Carlson Jr. Uh, Donnie, oh my gosh, that's your name. Um, uh, before we get into Attack the Block, why don't we learn about yourself, how you fell in love with movies, yeah. and sort of your uh, cinema paradisio moment, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, I love this movie, and I'm stoked to talk about it with you guys. Um, I've always kind of loved movies. It's something that I've always liked watching or something I've always liked doing. Um, I watched a lot of movies with my mom and my sibling. Um, like that's one of my main like summer memories when we were off school is we'd go to Blockbuster and pick a movie for the day. And like that was the activity. Um, so my mom was definitely like instrumental into getting me into film. And then um, in high school is probably when I started thinking of myself like as a cinephile and like, you know, thinking about my love for film as like a fundamental piece of my personality as people like us do. Um, and um, yeah, I always, I read Entertainment Weekly religiously like from eighth grade on. Um, I would take out the, uh, the summer movie release calendar and put it up in my closet so I could follow and know it was coming out. <laughs> and also high school is when I got into more genre film and really got into monster movies. Um, so that's kind of uh, appropriate for this, this episode and this film, or yeah, and this film, Attack the Block. Um, I also um, kind of started my like film writing and podcasting journey like a little later. Um, it's not something that I've been doing for a super long time. Um, it's not something that I went to school for, uh, but when the pandemic started, I was like, all I wanted to do, I wanted to write <laughs> about movies. And I started a podcast with um, one of my friends from grad school. Um, we do a podcast called Fang Club about vampire films. So <laughs> obsessive in a different way, <laughs> a different thing, not an actor, just a genre. Um, and then I just started my second podcast. So yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. It's been a fun thing to, to get into. Um, yeah. And it is, it is kind of recent for me. So it's been, mm. especially with the podcasting, it's been really wonderful meeting people in the film podcasting community and meeting people like Jack and Clay and um, kind of, yeah, building that community. has been really nice and really rewarding. I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Same with us that we were just fortunate with the timing uh, mm -hmm. just before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I'm curious, was there a moment when your, your mom and, and like yourself, like during the summer, you would go to, you would keep on going to movies. And then like, was there one thing that kind of clicked with you and you're like, oh wait, I kind of feel like this is treating the medium different than what I've seen before. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've had, like, I, I can't remember like. A it was single, just like a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. I can't really remember like a single film where it was like you know, sparked a revelation or anything. But I do remember like a general time when my mom started showing me like adult films, like films that were rated R or PG-13 or like things that weren't just kid films. And that felt really, I mean, I can't think of like a single specific film, but I remember mm. that kind of transition that felt kind of revelatory to me. I was like, oh, well, movies can be this. It doesn't have to be, you know, Disney or whatever. Um, and I think, um, so like some of the first kind of like 
PG-13 movies that my mom would let my sibling and I watch were like rom-coms and stuff like that and those felt kind of like adult to me and they were like set in the city and they had these adult characters and they were falling in love and they had these careers <laughs> and um and so I kind of that genre I kind of associate with with that um but yeah I don't know if I can think of like a specific movie yeah know. no I I feel like I can really I can relate to that because when I would see movies with grown-ups it would make me feel like oh, I, I'm trying to, like, understand where the grown-ups are coming from. Mm -hmm. Not so much, like, a movie made for kids or mm -hmm. made for kids and with the intention of having the, the phone grammar be so, like, common. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it is interesting because I feel like there's a moment in, like, everyone's film watching where it, like, is a slow build, but then, like, you're just, you sort of realize, like, oh, I kind of, I I recognize this as more of just, uh like a hobby like it's a passion even though me and jack were just kind of like we didn't grow up in it as in, like we went there but it wasn't a part of like our being or personality it wasn't like a community or anything it wasn't a ritual it was just things we did when we were younger and then kind of faded you know just kind of faded out of our lives I really feel like me, me and Jack kind of got fucked here. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like that was such a, I mean, especially for people, you know, uh, you know, a little older than us. Um, when, you know, Leia, like yourself, like you talk about your experience of that, how that shaped your, uh, your fascination with film. It's just kind of like, man, I wish we, because it's just not the same. It's just Netflix or whatever is not the same. And I don't know. And I, I've been really been thinking about how how video rental stores were such a lifeblood of creating film nerds. I've, I'm just curious how if that if that is going to shift in or if that hole that gap in the world of no like actual place to go to to discover new things to look at actually because when it's netflix you can i don't know there's something different about how your eye tracks stuff in the sense of when you're just scrolling shit and you can just like a title will just go past you it won't register nowhere near as much as it is like in real life you yeah. have to walk past your cover you have to like walk past it and you have to have your physical eyes on that physical cover and walk past it and register it as you're looking for other shit. Um, like I think we're I at a very specific, we're at a very specific moment as well that I remember the transition from Netflix DVD to Netflix exclusively online. Um, well, and still I never, on DVD. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like when I was out of Vogue. No, I know. Yeah. It, yeah. Like I used to do Gamefly when they, you know, like, cause they would do video games and movies and I would like try to get Blu-rays from there too. It's like, but it's just truly kind of, it's interesting. I'm curious because people will always say, oh, the reason why there might be a decline in film nerds or people who love film is because of these grander, bigger ideas of how society has changed in our media diets, whether it be like TikTok, short attention spans and social media, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. How much of it could just meet, could it even be attributed just to no video source? I don't know. I've, always, I've just found that interesting. Like how, like, could you, you probably couldn't quantify it, but could that just be a bigger 
reason than most people think. Because we, again, mm. we always like to do the big picture, the big reasons, the big societal shift, but maybe it could just be something just like that because it felt a lot of so it felt so institutional to us for so long. A lot of people have mentioned Blockbuster as formative uh, well, experiences. And, like, and part of it too, I mean, Blockbuster is a chain. Like it's not like the people there were like curating anything or helping us. True. But I think part of True. it was like, the there was a blockbuster that we could walk to from the house and so it was like a whole it was an activity it was like something to have a way to spend the day so it wasn't just like oh turn on the tv find whatever it was like okay we're gonna get out of the house we'll walk we'll stop at the baskin robbins on the way and then we'll get to the blockbuster and then we'll pick out the thing um and my sibling still gives me shit because they tell me to this day they were like you were such a dictator you would never pick anything but you would just say no to everything <laughs> mom and I picked you were just like you vetoed everything but you wouldn't pick anything so I still get shit for that um that's funny but we go and then we pick the movie and then we'd walk back and it was like a whole you can make a whole day out of it because it was watching the film but it was also the whole activity of it and I don't know if that would have really been like the summer thing if there weren't a whole day's worth of activity or an afternoon's worth of activity associated with it because obviously like my sibling and I enjoyed movies and my mom liked showing them to us, but it was also like something to fucking do, you know, mm. <laughs> on days right. and she's like, I don't know what to do with you. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is something to that, like the, the ritual of it and the process of it and like the, the physical component to it for sure. Yeah. That's always why, that's why I always get surprised when so many film fans have like siblings because it was one of those things for me, like movies and that shit was just like, there's no one around, I guess I'll do this. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I'm like, you know, my mom's a single mom and, you know, I would be at home a lot by myself and I would just be like, I guess this is what I'm, I gotta watch this. Like, because I didn't really have any friends that lived super close by um, or I could like walk to or whatever. So it was just like, I was at my house yeah. and I didn't have a sister or brother to bug me. And I just was like, you didn't have a brother just- or sister. You looked around and you're like, I guess I'll watch Contraband. Right. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously. Mark yeah, Wahlberg is my brother. Yeah. <laughs> God. No. Dad? No. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry and... I brought it up. <laughs> also, no, not, not to... Let's not create this reality. <laughs> not to be, like, nostalgic for something that we never had any connection to either, which is funny. I'm nostalgic of the concept, I guess. Right, right, exactly. I was just going to say. Because, no, I I think the fact that, I mean, it's a little moment, but the fact that your siblings would bicker that you you would keep on, like, you were picky. (laughs) Like, that's such a quick resolution now because, like, kids will just be handed an iPad with multiple Netflix accounts. And now it's, like, here. And it's, like, there's so much freaking content and there's just like you I, I think like it's again like very small moment in the grand scheme of talking about blockbusters which now don't exist you just don't have that memory now i guess right right i mean i mean or the, that I, memory has at least changed i guess but i also wish that parents were shoving netflix accounts into these kids faces they ain't shoving like 
these stupid games or whatever, like Angry Birds. I mean, not Angry Birds. Oh my god, that's the oldest. <laughs> wow, that's, that's the a oldest. Back to that's the oldest. What year is this? Yeah, oh my god. Eleven mindset. Yeah. Wow. I. Oof. All right. I think I just. I think gray hair just fell out of my. Uh, uh, head. Seriously. Wow. Okay, but you know what I mean. They're okay, playing, Grandpa. You know, we gotta get you back to. Bed. All right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> they used to have a boomerang bird. God damn it. <laughs> You would fling it and it would come back to you and it create a lot of damage for the pigs. God damn it. Um, uh, okay, Grandpa. Right. You know, I, but like, that's the thing. They're not, they're not even watching anything anymore. They're just doing like those stupid, I don't know. I mean, I, okay. I, you yeah, know, this sounds doing very doodle just, jump, right? Like, this, yeah, well, the, right. That, this um, Candy Crush, I don't know. Is that Candy Crush still around? That's the thing, right? Words around, with Friends, right? Really old people yeah, a baby's always playing Words with Friends. That's what I, <laughs> I'm seeing this five-year-old just like plethora. Um, no, but I... I just I don't know. It was one of those things. It's one of those things where I, I'm now as someone who it's so interesting because now I work in childcare and I, you know, I work at these camps and I'm trying to get a better understanding of what like how these kids are even growing up. And obviously, it's not going to be the same because this is not in an environment where they would actually watch anything. Um, but like, I don't know. It it it's it seems similar, but you know, then there's these very key differences that you keep that you know that they when they say to me like, oh yeah, you know, I just go play with my mom's iPad. I'm like, you're six. What are you doing? Like you're six years old. You're playing with your mom's iPad. What? Or it's like, and and sometimes they'll say they have an iPad, and it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm almost up. I'm so positive that's probably not true, but on the other hand, I'm like, maybe. I don't know. It's like. <laughs> Could it be the kid's iPad? Could it just be designated for them? The kid could have bought it with its own money. Like, right. We don't know. We don't know what they're up to. The kids I could mean, be watching two guns. I don't know. That's why um, they're grabbing aluminum from the trash cans. I didn't exactly. think of that. Oh, yes. they're burning a hustle. I understand. Um, but no, I just, it, it's so now I'm, but yeah, just like the idea of a video rental store is very, I, I was just thinking about it because I was, driving by there's this like store right that's kind of by me that i've never been in i've never been into but like the design of like the um of their sign and the, what it says itself was like oh interesting they those things you should just exist it's called like retro game trader mm. and it looked like a very much like you know I, i'm guessing it you know has like n you know n64 games or whatever i don't know i don't know what they do but it seemed but obviously it's like a niche store um, you know, they have like retro games, whatever, like, you know, maybe they have a fucking, um, and it's like, those are the only things that's going to be left, but I'm just in, so that kind of community or that kind of ritual that was so inherent to so many, uh, you know, people around the world is now like a niche. Mm -hmm. It's now, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's retro. They I find mean, a demographic the, and they stick to it. Like, right. Yeah. And now, you know, it used to just be everyone. And now it is just mm -hmm. like five people. And it wasn't that long ago. That, that you know it wasn't like a huge that wasn't like 20 years ago or whatever that was yeah wow 10, 10 15 years ago yeah like in 2011 it was a commonplace yes, yes. there is Again. a line in the movie where nick frost says oh my god it's like what the blockbuster shut down <laughs> Yeah, 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 when he's looking out yeah. the window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there we go. There's our wow. moment in time. Yeah, when the blockbusters were closed. That, yeah, that's, that, that list is like, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
we'll get into detective walk in a second it's kind of it's not related but just you talking about like what kids are consuming for content um my little cousin really wants to watch dune what in my little cousin is 10 a 10 year old and his friends from school and camp are into are they're like yeah dune like don't you know like you know the spice from Arrakis. You know it's like they're they're just all in for this thing. Duncan you know, Idaho, thinking, man. Duncan yeah, Idaho. Duncan Idaho. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, um, they they want to see Paul become the king. You know, and it's like the fact that ten year olds are super hyped for Dune too. Like that's you know. they want to see Timothy Timothy Chalamet have like a, a acid dream about committing for future genocide. Like that's what they want. That's what they. Yeah, that's, that's what, what ten year olds want. want. Yeah, they want him really. to be freaking out high off his goddamn gourd, screaming to Rachel, uh, or sorry, Rachel, no, uh, Rebecca Ferguson about how he's about to commit the most, <laughs> like one of the worst atrocities known to man and be, a, you know, a, you know, commit like insane amounts of colonialism. Or whatever. Yes. Like that's, that's what he, that's what all 10 year olds want. They want that. And all the 10 year olds, all the 10 year olds are hype for the Dune episode of Oscar's podcast. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> LCD, please introduce us to your first time with Attack the Block. What is that, cuz? That's an alien, bruv. Believe it. And I landed in the wrong place, though. You get the wrong place. <laughs> Welcome to London, motherfucker. <laughs> He discovered a species hitherto unknown to science. Believe. Maybe there was a party at the zoo and a monkey fucked a fish. Yo, check it. More. More what? Them things. Lovely fireworks. Mum, it's an invasion. Of course it is. I'm killing them. I'm killing them. Straight. Let's get tall up, blood. Quite sweet, really, aren't they? Oh, that's different. They ain't even the same thing. That looks triple the size blood. We need to get off the streets. Back in a block. What kind of alien would invade some shitty council state in South London? One that's looking for a fight. <laughs> Full of weed and it's runs. Good luck. Yeah, so I actually saw Attack the Block in the theater. 
Um, I saw it in 2011 when it came out. It did not get a wide release. No. So uh, I saw it at the Art House Theater in Salt Lake City. Um, speaking of video rental stores, so uh, the Salt Lake Film Society is a wonderful organization in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they, uh, they operate two theaters. One is the bigger theater at the Broadway, and then they have a, a single screen theater um, at the Tower. And in the front of the tower is a video rental store that I think is still operating. Oh. Um, and they have, you know, old films, art house films. It's it's basically like the same function as a blockbuster. Yeah, except yeah. better film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty. Except rad. cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So the Salt Lake Film Society, uh, the Broadway theater is like one of my favorite places in the entire world. I don't live in Salt Lake City anymore, but so much of my film education took place uh, at the Broadway. So yeah, so I saw Attack the Block at the Art House Theater, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> because this film is like, I think it really would have benefited from a wide release. It's a fun movie. It's a monster movie. Um, it's got a release in May in the UK. Is mm -hmm. that the same for the US? Uh, it came out in the fall in the US. It okay. came out in September, I think August or September. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was kind of the distribution strategy was really weird. It got distributed kind of like an art house foreign film. Um, mm. And it didn't do well in the US box office. Um, it found its audience later, obviously, like this film has a huge following, you know, Boyega's career following this film has only helped uh, attack the block's reputation yeah. and helped it find its people. Um, but I think like, a lot of people that I've talked to did not see this film in the theater. I'm like one of the few that I know of. <laughs> and yeah, so I saw it. Um, Joe Cornish needs to send you flowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah so I, um, I saw it because uh, when the film came out, they really were kind of hyping the Edgar Wright connection. So Joe Cornish yeah. has worked with Edgar Wright, um, has written things with Edgar Wright. Um, at the time that the film came out in the U.S., there was like, almost some it was like the Taika Waititi effect where people were kind of attributing Attack the Block to Edgar Wright and it's not an Edgar Wright film he didn't write it he didn't direct it he basically just kind of lent his clout to it mm -hmm. um to get people hyped he's not even a producer he is a producer but he's one oh. of many yeah yeah um and uh so um I this is like maybe not that cool of a thing to cop to anymore but like I love Edgar Wright I'm a huge fan of his um, and so that's how I heard about the film was the Edgar Wright connection. And, um, my boyfriend at the time is like, or was, you know, a huge fan of monster movies. Um, so we went to go see it together and I loved it the first yeah. from the get go. I saw it in the theater. I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. Everyone needs to see this movie. Uh, I've been a fan since day one. <laughs> it's so cool. And you know, it kind of reminds me of our episode that we did on Drive recently. The fact that you can see something so early on in the decade and yet its longevity will stay with you. And because it stayed with you all this time, it kind of proves its worth. Where you're like, wow, I saw that in 2011 and I still love it to this day. It's like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know that you can say like that you can really see this film's influence in other films in the decade necessarily, mm. but I think a lot of people that were involved in this film went on through the decade to do really um, impressive things. Um, one of the 
one of the things that I like to to remind people is um, the composer, the person who did the score for Attack the Block, has won an Oscar now. He won an Oscar for doing the score for Gravity. Um, and then, yeah, of course, Boyega has exploded. Um, his career has exploded. Um, and, like, that was one of the things that stuck with me uh, from the first time I saw the film. I loved everything about the movie, but it was one of those experiences where I walked out of the theater and I was like, John Boyega is going to be a movie star. Like, I don't know if you guys have had those kind of experiences where you've seen a performance from, uh, you know, a new actor or an up and comer and you just immediately know that this person is going to be a star. Like, but I had that experience with John Boyega. Yes and no, because it's like tough to to gauge whether you want them to succeed <laughs> as a movie star or if they're or if they just have yeah, it like right. Boyega does. I think right. the closest that I can think of is when we talked about Becca Ferguson in our um, uh, Rogue Nation episode, mm-hmm. where it's just like seeing that in theaters was like, wow, I, why, why? It, she feels like someone who's like so confident. And I think she's been in, she was in like a TV show before that, but it's like, why haven't, why hasn't she been leading movies for like a decade prior? Yeah, why she can't will be I leading. breathe right now? Like that's like it's one of those things when you're watching it. It's like, why can I breathe? Jesus Christ, let me breathe. I think that's a great point, though, that you see everyone involved in this, and it's like that's the movie's cultural footprint. It's not so much its influence. I think it, it I, honestly, I think is uh, I read that Tarantino like put it in his top ten of 2011. So it's like people respect it at the time, maybe afterwards even more so. Yet you don't see like, oh, this is like Attack the Block meets X, right? It's one of those films that I think is just way huger in the film community than it is in like actual, like sometimes there is like a correct like correlation between what the film, you know, the film Twitter film nerds, you know, think is like a big or like a notable movie and what the audience think. You know, Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick obviously is like, it got, you know, plenty of film people were like oh my god this is great this is crazy how can maverick also bombed at the box office that's true yes it did horribly yes yeah made no money which is um, what, 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 uh, once upon a time in hollywood like these are movies that like you know that did like correspond and or you know correlate between like the amount of times people or the amount of people talk about it on film twitter and the amount of people who actually saw it when and sometimes of course you're going to have like more like you know memoria or whatever no one saw that besides uh, or whatever like like Leia, have you seen memoria i have not yet oh yeah i mean it's have a date with tilda yeah it's right it, but the other thing whenever it comes to you who knows might, yeah, yeah, might yeah, be right. five years from, might be no, five I years i've seen now. it by design right yeah. right right, right. <laughs> a peach uh, i guess okay yeah you're right movies. that's not a great uh like phantom thread i guess that would you know phantom thread i don't think audiences everywhere were just like holy fuck phantom thread that's whole shit crazy but when it comes to like attack the block it's just like when you look on like IMDb, it has like a hundred thousand rate. And it feels like those, and I knew about this film to kind of go to my first exposure with it. I knew about this film pretty early on into my moviedom, my uh, my uh, history of the movies, uh, my like my uh, affair with cinema. Um, it was pretty early. I know. All right, None of those were uh, good. <laughs> no, they were all bad. And I wanted them to be bad. Um, when did I see this? I think it was pretty like 2014, maybe. It like it was just one of those for a while around that time, which is I think when a lot yeah. of people caught it. Oh no, I saw it in 2017. It feels like I saw it so long ago. Okay, 
Well, I, I, I heard about it almost immediately as I got into film. And it's I think it was just because, that is a long time. Right. But it was one of those movies that I think everyone who knew just enough about movies could say, you should watch this. Mm. No one, no one, no one really gave this the respect it deserved. But watch Attack the Block. Here's a little <laughs> gem for you. I think that's the fun of it, is it feels mm. like a gem because it didn't find its audience all at once. So it feels like something that was kind of like passed hand to hand. Uh, but it's so accessible. It's so fun. It's so immediately like, yeah, it's easy to get into. It's not something that you kind of have to like be in the mood for, get ready for, Mm. like, it's going to be important. It's going to change your life. But like, you know, you got to put your phone in another room. Like, no, it's a fun genre flick. And I think that's how it's found its audience. Like, I mean, it's just an easy recommend, right? Like, it's easy to sell somebody on this film. But for some reason, I feel like if I walked up to someone, hey, like, oh, you know, attack the clock, in my head, they're going to say yes. Even though I know for certain they're going to say no. It's one of those, I just feel like this movie's way bigger in app than it is. I, I, I don't, it has such a cultural footprint in our circles, I guess, mm-hmm. in the idea yeah. of just like, Look at this, you know, it's like the little engine who could, but the engine who could actually went went on for quite a while. I mean, like, <laughs> this movie is, like, popular. Like, it yeah. has popularity within, I mean, it's not huge. It's not like an IP or anything, but it's referenced all the time. These act, A lot of these actors, besides Boyega, got careers after this. Yeah, um, got the it's, first female Doctor Who in there. Right, <laughs> of course, Whitaker. Jodie Whittaker. Um, and, like, uh, uh, the guy who plays... Oh, I don't remember any of their names. Um, but like, not all the kids become names, but like some of them, you know, a bit Boyega, of course. Uh, I mean, like Boyega gets Star Wars off of it, so people yeah. must have like seen it. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think that that's how a lot of people heard about it for the first time. Yeah. Was J.J. Right. Abrams did name drop it? He said that's why I wanted John Boyega for Star Wars, and I think that moment was when a lot of people were like, "Oh, I should go check out Attack the Block," and I think that's when it really started finding its audience but yeah i mean i i kind of know what you're talking about clay though where it feels simultaneously like everyone knows about it but also it's still like a little secret i don't know 125,000 people have logged it on letterbox yeah Yeah. that's i mean it's a popular film yeah but i think but it's not that's the you see what i mean you see what i mean it's popular but it's not and it's a weird middle ground yeah as i was watching it i think you were saying that accessibility and accessibility i think fools you into thinking oh yeah this was obviously one of the beloved movies of the year it was a smash at the box office it got this big wide release no yeah well and it's interesting too because when it came out uh in 2011 the marketing was kind of trying to position it as like this year's District 9, which they're not similar films, but they're both kind of sci-fi imports. Right. Um, but the difference is District 9 got a wide release. I saw that in the Megaplex and that made money because it was in more theaters. It was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, wasn't Best it? Picture, yeah. right. But it got a different type of release. And I think right. I genuinely do think that Attack the Block probably would have done better if it had a different release strategy. Um I mean, it is very specifically British, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think that that uh, makes it, as you said, like less accessible. So I don't really know why it was handled the way it was handled. The poster because... does not help its case. I'm, yeah. I, forgot, I, I always forget how bad this poster is. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just it's, like... It's, it's not a good poster. <laughs> woof. 
Yeah. I can see this movie being a trickier sell than District 9. Mm. That it certainly you can add your own metaphor to the aliens, yet it's not spoon feeding you any one metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, 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 like wait, wait, some wait, have wait. accused you, uh, accused uh, District 9 of doing. Wait, Jack, are you telling me that District 9 is maybe about the apartheid? Are you saying that right now? Are you saying that to me? Are you saying that that movie has social commentary? John, what could possibly make you say that? What in God's name? You're just realizing this. Wait, wait a minute now. Chartal Copley, South Africa, Apartheid, District 9. Oh my gosh. Anytime I think about own Charlton Copley. Um, but I also think that this, yeah, it's similar to what we've talked about with a few other films, like including The Invitation. This movie has held its own life on streaming. Of course, like the Star Wars bump is, you know, massive. But um, I, yeah, where it's like the recommendation and its availability have, have always like been pretty. Yeah. It also doesn't help that Joe Cornish has only directed two films. Attack the Block mm-hmm. was his first film. He did another film called The Kid Who Would Be King that I also oh. fucking love. And Speaking I would see that any day. Yep, but I've it also that. made no money. And so mm-hmm. I think that-, that I think that one was also like weird because I remember that being like a January February release. Like yeah, why, they that seems it. like a summer thing. Yeah, they but that was it. but it was wide. It was a wide. It release. It was a wide release, but it was January. Do you want to <laughs> guess how many people have logged it on IMDb? Uh, Fifty thousand. Sixteen thousand nine hundred. So that's almost a hundred thousand less than. Um, attack the block wow do you want to guess how many people on letterboxd logged it um i don't know 10,000 20 oh, okay. 26,000 so basically almost exactly a hundred percent a hundred thousand less than attack the block now these numbers and now I, I say these numbers like they mean something they don't mean shit but um they're it's it's interesting to me because it's like there is this real like I guess Attack the Block, is it really just Star Wars? But it, it, like, is that really just where all of this viewership is coming from? Or is it just that, again, I feel like it, I think it's what you said earlier, is that it's a movie that you feel like gets past you, even though it's bigger, you know, like, it's so funny looking back now to, you know, back in my you know, days when I was a little more limited in my film knowledge and what I thought was a cult classic or a hidden gem was. It's like, have you seen Edge of Tomorrow? Kind of a hidden gem, bro. Like, you know, it's like one of those, It's you just think because it wasn't huge, it was automatically a hidden gem. Right, if it's not Avengers um, level, then it's like- Right, yeah. yeah. Right, then must, no one must know about it. Yeah. Um, with Attack the Block, it has, it is a hidden gem, but also not in a way, because it just, it just it is a movie that you feel like should be bigger in the sense of just, like you, I think you said how approachable it is, um, or it, it, it feels, I mean, there is, you know, blood and stuff, but like, it starts out, like, it starts out almost like a Carpenter film in the sense mm-hmm. of it's like camera trained on the sky. Of Cornish his, was very you know, influenced by Salt and Precinct. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like, the, you know, it almost starts off. His like the thing. two biggest influences, he said it was that and science, which I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you have, this is, and I'm interested if maybe this came out after Stranger Things, if this could have been better in the sense yeah. of like a bunch of young kids in a, you know, mm-hmm. like an ET style kind of group 
you know, have this, you know, hang up with I think, aliens? I think yes and no, because I think if there's, if there's like a, not accessible, but if it's less approachable because how British it is, rather than how, I mean, not to, you know, it's very general, but just to, like very American story of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. very American uh, influences as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yes, I, of course. I hadn't seen it until now. Um, it was something that I've always had my eye on. Um, Star Wars made me aware of it. I was one of those people that I saw that J.J. Abrams said, check it out. And that's what it, it's always been like one of those in my watch list. Um, and I, I, of course, like kid that would be king. Yeah, I like that was always in my watch list. I've always heard like great things about that one, too. Um, I knew that this was like an alien movie, but I didn't know in to what degree and like what extent. Um, yeah, like I knew everything is surrounding it. It's great. It's it's like it's it's great. It's it's amazing. Um, it's so confident. Like I I just love it's it 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 feels Carpenter in the way that it starts. It also feels Carpenter in the way that it's like storyboarded. Even if it's not storyboarded, it feels just just like precise mm-hmm. um like because you know uh cornish going to all those youth groups to cast the uh the the kids in the gang like they feel like actual actual friends like it's kind of you know it's it's whatever to, to complement like naturalistic performances because you're working with first timers mm-hmm. but like uh, it's it, it shows so he went to you he went he like went to youth groups to like kind of get a better yeah uh, and like, like yeah he didn't, is that how he found Boyega? That's not how he found Boyega, is he? Not? Boyega was like some of the kids he did. Boyega, and right. I know, like, I think Alex Esmel, he found it like like a uh, uh, like a school drama club. And or Fran's, like a few of the other. And Fran's drama, I don't know. He's seen, he didn't seem, no, yeah, he's before Attack the Block. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But no, that makes sense because I was looking at some of these kids and like, oh, they just haven't acted again like this is it or this was this in like green sheet hooligans number four or whatever like i don't it was very bizarre to just see like no actual but that also but that that casting method of going of this grown man going to random youth groups is i don't know how i would i don't know if i would qualify that as smart joe i don't know if that's the but i do i don't know you gotta this the fact that there's really there are no big actors in this film i mean i think the biggest name is probably nick frost nick and frost he's best yeah. known in the u.s as like simon pig's second banana like mm-hmm. i think that that is another reason that it did not make a lot of money and it didn't get a wide release like it's it doesn't have any stars in it um it's a bunch of kids who have not been in films before or very few films and then like some british character actors it just looks so good though it's one yeah, of those scenes then- where it's like it looks so good you're like oh yeah this was like a blockbuster right so good looking and that's one of the reasons that i love it i think as you said jack it's so confidently made on every level and the visual is one of those i love that when it's close to the opening shot when the whole band of kids comes out of the um the sort of shed where they've murdered the first alien monster and it's kind of like a law like a long shot and it's like the shed and the kids coming out on a line in profile um like you see their silhouettes it's just such a great way to start the film like they're the fucking wild bunch or something yeah like they're it's like, fantastic yeah. and 
yeah, I mean, all of the action scenes are so confidently directed. I love the really the use of the um, the like the building, the the council flats, the the use of the block um, <laughs> and the architecture. And we have to talk about the creature design. I love the design of these aliens for so many reasons. Um, but one of my favorite things is they're so brilliantly designed for a budget film. Like they look like they were made for $5. Yes. And like I mean the, that in the best way. In the best way. And they're the way they're designed is, you know, they're black and furry and spiky. Um, how does one of the characters describe them? Uh, like bear wolf motherfuckers? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, gorilla bear. Like, gorilla, yeah, that's yeah. it. Gorilla, gorilla wolf motherfuckers. That's what they look like. And so they're great. You co you can capture this this creature um, sort of like out of the in the corner of the frame or in silhouette or just like pieces of it, and you can totally get a sense of the whole creature because it's not something you need to see a ton of details to like understand what this thing looks like. And so you have this sort of this black spiky silhouette, and then the fucking glowing teeth are right. my favorite. I right. love them. I love them. They're just great monsters. Um, and like I said, so cleverly designed for being on a budget. Yeah, they looked like they got, you know, like like uh, grips to get in a like a, a, a shitty uh, gorilla suit and like run and chase kids. Like, yeah. I mean, they look great because it, it, it's one of those things where it's almost so simple and so cheap that it makes it even look more like an alien in the way. It's just like, it's so animalistic and so kind of bizarre that it feels to be like well obviously we don't have that because that is such a gonzo like weird like no there's no none of those alien none of those things are here we can't make that um that's like it, it almost makes it feel more also threatening i mean there's a good reason why you don't really see the xenomorph in alien like in profile for like a huge portion of that movie is because you see it in more of the shadows and the darkness because that is more terrifying and that is more mysterious and you know if it's withholding inf information that can make you feel a little more at ease like oh that's what it actually looks like uh, but then again that but you know that, that the alien design is so cool that it's scary no matter what but that i that core concept of less is more is here too um, but it also, it, it allows them to, wear, we just need like three pieces of CGI, the eyes and the mouth, and mostly the mouth. Um, and that's all we need. And then we can have, you know, uh, uh, assistant PA number two to get in the suit and just kind of run around and say, ha, ah, that's a little bit. Like, it, it feels, it goes back to that idea of like a Carpenter B movie kind of thing, like where it yeah. feels like, okay, they just got some dude, they got a gorilla suit, they got a dude, and they got some blowy sticks and they're going to figure it out. Yeah, and I love um, that the monsters yeah. aren't trying to be more than they are, you know? Like, no. That's what, that's the magic. They aren't it. tech experts. They aren't, like, yeah. you know, trying yeah. to, like, wield weaponry or call home. They're, like, animals. They're, like, mm -hmm. wolves. Mm -hmm. It's also the signs influence where it's almost like the movie isn't really that curious about the monster. No. It's more curious about the character's curiosity and it's like yeah there's it's it's done so well to where you're even questioning why is a monster movie done any other way mm -hmm. at least especially one of this budget mm -hmm. yeah i just love the monsters and there are so many 
Ah, there are just so many great shots with those glowing teeth. Like another shot that I love is when you have um, Hi-Hat and then in the window behind him, you have all of the monsters with the glowing teeth, you know, like kind of surrounding him in a halo. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, he's about to get fucked up. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that shot so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and especially because this this one uh, takes place so much at night. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like uh, Thomas Townsend, who like uh, shot you were never really here like captures that so so well and And that's another thing this movie takes place completely at night and you can see everything it's a miracle yeah (laughs) i mean because it wasn't made for a streamer do we think that could be something uh, Uh, made by the biggest studio company in the world (laughs) this this would be made for a streamer today i I think we can all yeah well and i mean i was thinking about it like there's maybe one attack the block knockoff that i can think of Mm -hmm. um it attack the knockoff yeah exactly (laughs) there's a movie (laughs) called vampires versus the bronx that went it was a netflix movie oh yeah oh yeah yeah and it is the one that comes to my mind as like somebody was trying to do like an american attack the block um it's vampires not um obviously vampires versus the bronx it's vampires instead of an alien invasion um and also there's a a much sort of clearer gentrification metaphor Mm. in vampires versus the bronx but the the sort of um you know band of kids trying to defend their neighborhood from this supernatural threat and this very sort of specific urban milieu and you know having a cast of kids that's racially diverse and you know from the inner city uh that really seemed inspired by attack the block um I don't think Vampires versus the Bronx is as good of a film at all. Um, but I bring it up because it was. It was a Netflix movie. I think this is the most reading. anyone's ever talked about it. But <laughs> Yeah, pro- well, no. Right, yeah. I have done a whole episode on it for fan club. So really? that's, oh my that's gosh. probably the yeah. record. Yeah. 45 minutes. <laughs> for Clean 40. <laughs> the, only, the only reason I know that movie is that Mero is in it. From, mm-hmm. D- from Jesus and Mero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the yeah. only only way i know that and he's in there what five seconds he's in there in like five minutes yep yep um (laughs) but yeah i do think it would be i'm curious where how they were well i know cornish's next project is a netflix series which makes me want to blow my brains out um (laughs) i and i think he's in there and funny enough a week before or Yeah, I think a week before we started recording this, there was news that dropped that Boyega is going to be co-writing the um, script for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's going to be the only reason this really happens, um, I feel like. Uh, He has his own production company. I think think he even, like, had, like, kind of produced Pacific Rim 2. I think his, like, production Mm -hmm. company got involved in that, Mm -hmm. which is... uh, I mean... Boyega's career. Yeah, do we want to do Boyega's career? Or I mean, like, well, yeah. I mean, it's infuriating in a lot of ways because it's like I haven't seen his McQueen. That's the one. That's the that's I I watched the first two small acts McQueens, and then I didn't. I didn't watch the rest of them because I'm a bad person who's bad at watching things. Um, Shame. Shame. I know. Shame. It's so funny because those are like those toasters two are like one of my favorite things I've ever seen. I'm just like, oh, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> he is obviously in, in, in just 
it, it's so obvious to anyone who watches a single scene or a press conference or an interview, any kind of a glimpse of the man, you know, he is one of the more charismatic and just naturally gifted uh, screen presence we have currently. Yeah. Um, and Hollywood, and I mean, even take the Star Wars out of it, and Star Wars fucked him over big time. Yeah. Um, even though me and it's funny, it's funny that me and me and Boyega disagree how Star Wars fucked him over. Um, <laughs> there are too because, many ways it could be. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Me, he, it can he, be he, multiple ways. So many ways it could be yeah, multiple right. reasons. Yeah. Um. But like what the circle that random like was it i don't know if a netflix movie that came out last year where he had a, like a sword in the cover that no one watched at like a 21 on metacritic naked um, singularity everyone's <sighs> favorite film yeah, of 2021 <laughs> and i think his production company was also involved in that yeah, yeah. uh what do you say you saw to see it leah no no hmm? i was being snarky snark oh all right imagine that (laughs) i'm never snarky i don't know what you're talking about no um wow naked singularity was from scott free productions ridley scott's production company fascinating (sighs) i mean he's produced so so much like whatever (laughs) um what else did he do uh pacific rim uprising everyone's yes (laughs) favorite movie directed by i for steven is it M night? No, not M night. It's Stephen B night. Let's check it out. Well, he is. I know this because he was the showrunner of Daredevil season one with okay. uh, and, and that's that's how he got this. And like, and obviously is now no longer uh, in existence. Uh, he has disappeared <laughs> off the planet. Stephen Denight. Yes. Stephen Denight. I knew it was something like not that. a real person. No, no, no. Uh, Daredevil season one's good. Though. Um, I. And so it is just a real fucking shame. I mean, there is still time, obviously. He's not, he's still insanely young. They're mm-hmm. still gonna they're still gonna give him chances. He has this yeah. new movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, breaking I mean, I feel like, breaking, I hear is very good. It's out yeah. the weekend we're recording this. Yeah, and I think you know, reading a lot of the interviews that Boyega's been giving for his more recent uh stuff that's coming out this year, like Breaking and uh, mm-hmm. The Woman King and things like that. Yeah, he he's seems like he's King. at a real crossroads he seems really tired like i think he is i mean he seems like he's very aware that he has maybe not had the career that he's wanted to have i mean like he seems like he's being much more thoughtful about the roles that he's choosing it seems like he is in a position now where he can be pickier because he has you know star wars money um he has his own production company like you said i think he is really kind of trying to move his career into like a different phase, move up, you know, to the next level, whatever that means for him. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's also been, I know the last few years for him, he's been much more vocal about um, social justice issues. And I know that he feels like that's not helped his career. which I mean, I feel like I would feel inclined to agree because <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think it's amazing that he's spoken out and used his platform in that way. And I think that that's empowering to so many people, but you know, especially for like local, like British yes. narratives that aren't 
necessarily talked about yes. in the greater greater society <laughs> yes um but yeah i mean but hollywood is hollywood and i think you know they want stars that are uh they'll just as play the game as possible yeah. and we'll just do whatever mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. look at um, what we consider movie stars now look at look at how like just truly like emotionless and per- like you know basically no personality like the only real personality driven movie stars we have left were are from a different generation mm-hmm. yeah 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 um also obvious but worth noting he is exhausted and ostracized from uh pointing out um racial disparity in mm-hmm. in the uk only 30 just yeah. turned 30 this year which yeah he's only I, a year I mean, older than me i mean he was a teenager yeah, yeah. when he filmed i was just gonna say he was clay and i's age when he was filmed when he was or around our age when you know uh attack the block came out like that's just, yeah you know. so he's like he that and that's the thing i think people kind of forget because he did bro- break out pretty young like he's yeah. so young yeah, <laughs> like he's yeah. been around for a decade and he's 30 you mm-hmm. know <laughs> and i think I think he has such a mature presence on screen um, and he has such a, like a gravity to him on screen. Like he does not feel like a new soul. <laughs> so I think yeah. people forget. Yeah. He has presence so young. for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and I think, you know, you get that a little bit in attack the block, you know, that reveal that his character is only 15, yeah. you know, part of that is, you know, obviously a commentary on that neighborhood and how kids have to grow up and be you know act older than their with no parental guidance right but i think um boyega as an act like he that casting really makes that moment land in a way that um i don't know it would have landed with someone else in that role quite the Mm -hmm. same way someone who's like so sheltered and in like internal that, that will keep all this inside because he has he has no help and, mm-hmm. and ultimately is forced in this situation because of the economic disparity. I think his 2017 is really fascinating too, going from, I mean, a movie that you're going to cover, Last Jedi, and that we've covered as well, um, mm-hmm. as well as The Circle, which Clay has mentioned, and a movie called Detroit, which I don't know if we want to do. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to touch yeah. that. <laughs> I know is across the board. Yep. yep. I just, yeah, I think he's really good in good it. In he's good he, in he's it. He's very course. good yeah. in it. Yeah. Especially yeah, towards movie. the end. Like he, like very, some standout moments, but that movie is such a disaster though. And I feel I, so bad yeah. for him because it's just, I don't know. That's the thing. He like, even the stuff where you're like, Oh, this should definitely just help bolster his case as a movie star. And you want, and you see it and you're like, okay, this is, I mean, yes, he's great in it, but like, but also that movie we made, no money uh it was a bomb yeah um and yeah. i just i don't know what anna Perner was thinking about putting that in august <laughs> oh you don't want to go see a two-hour like uh, uh exercise in police brutality in august in the heat of the summer you don't want to watch that chat i don't know by a white <laughs> filmmaker who's probably not uh has the uh, the skills or the nuance to tackle this with uh, as uh, never mind yeah. that's another who knows? We might cover it one day. God, God or another know. day. <laughs> oh, God, who's going to pick? I don't know who's going to pick that. Uh, it's... All right. Um, but I'm not worried about if he has it. You know, I think we all know he has it. I'm worried about if A, Hollywood gives him that chance. B, he is so already fucking tired. 
He's mm-hmm. already, I mean, I don't think, I think he obviously he's still being attached to projects, but you know, uh, there was, there's all, you know, he just had this weird, very like uh, atmosphere around how we, how people have been discussing him since Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been getting, it's gotten to the point where I'm kind of just like, I don't know. I, I feel like we're, his, people are making these narratives about him that's really uh, unfortunate and unjustified and really just like, why? let's let the man live. Let's let him do whatever he needs to do. And then we'll see what happens. But I, I'm just, my, you know, it's, I, I know he's proven, he's proven to everyone. He's proven to me. He's proven to countless people. It's just like, oh, he has a gift and he has that charm and that talent. But like his two upcoming roles are supporting roles. And I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. bad. And I'm not saying that's not going to help, but it's just a fact. Um, and I think one of them is for sure going streaming. Um, I don't know. Is the Woman King going to streaming? No, it's coming. No, it's going to theaters. It's it's okay. playing TIFF. Yeah. So that he's in supporting, and he's also he might be he might be considered a co-lead, but I think in, it's t- uh, uh, with uh, the Jamie Fox Netflix movie, the Clone something right? Oh, Clone Typhoon. Yeah, I don't have. I have no. I like Day Shift. I don't know if it's as any yeah. connection to Day Tiana Shift. Tiana Paris is in this too. Okay. I mean, always good. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess to speak about Breaking, uh, which none of us have seen, I think. Uh, many people have seen in general. Yes, yes. Uh, many people have liked it. Um, of course, like, n- nothing, I, th- I hear he's great in it. It's based on a true story. You know, I'm sure, like, w- when he chooses something, like, when it's based on a true story, I think that just rings to me as that he's passionate about it. And he's not doing it for for circumstances that are just, like, I want to be, I want to challenge myself for or it, n- nothing that doesn't scream anything outside of passion. Also, it's the last role with Michael Kenneth Williams. Yeah, I just do get the sense that Hollywood does not know what to do with John Boyega. They don't know how to cast him. They don't. Or they don't want him. to do anything with him. And right, I think there is a certain extent to which they don't want to. Um, and that, to me, like that's where, you know, I always, we all have our our rants about the Disney mega corporation and how they own everything. But I mean, as vocal as he has been about his dissatisfaction with Star Wars and his experience with that, like you, I can only imagine he's been like soft blacklisted from doing anything Marvel, which is like a huge way that actors- Well, would he them. even want to? And, and, and again, I, he wouldn't want to, I don't think. I think you're right, right on that. I think but if I think he wanted to, he avenues, would already. I think a lot of the avenues that actors have to take now to become quote unquote movie stars. And I think it's bullshit and I don't think it should be this way, but I think it is to a certain extent. I think a lot of those avenues he's not interested in or have been kind of shut off to him. Um, And so you kind of see him struggling to be like, okay, what, where is my place? And I think it's tough too, because he does take a lot of supporting roles. But he's not a supporting actor. He is a goddamn movie star. He has charisma to burn. I mean, like I said, when I saw this film, it's his first role. He is the lead, but, you know, he doesn't have that much more screen time than Mm -hmm. the other kids. But he just stands out immediately. And the movie knows it, too. The movie knows how much presence he holds. He is a leading man in a Hollywood that doesn't have leading roles for an actor like him. And it's really sad. Yeah. We can end it there. Let's like be perfectly <laughs> said. Yeah. It's, I it's one of those things like I don't even think Disney needs to blacklist him. It's one of the like he has been so vocal about his like 
I think just the moment when actors start saying, I didn't like how I was treated on X property, studios start getting like, oh no. Because the thing is now they feel so like, oh, if he might speak out against us if we hire him down the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the industry is so paranoid and so fucking twitchy about shit that even if they didn't blacklist him or even if they didn't like, you know, black and blacklist always is just a very strong word. So maybe not like, even if they didn't put like a, a soft, uh, we'll do, we'll do a Twitter term, a soft block on his career. Um, they probably didn't have to, because he just the moment you start criticizing the, you know, the, the people in charge, the moment the people in charge get nervous about you. So it is, uh, it's, I don't know. Um, I, Which I, probably I, led him to form the production company. Mm-hmm. Then, then why do Pacific Rim Uprising? That's that's one of, I, I think that was the circle fine. It's a supporting role. You're not in it. Uh, you it's know, a supporting Detroit. role. And also like, it looks good on paper and it's like a Buddhic adaptation. Like, there are so yes. many stars attached. Detroit director, like um, Catherine mm. Bigelow. Bigelow great, coming off know, of Zero Dark Thirty. Huge yeah. story, huge ensemble, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Pacific yep. Rim Uprising. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, it would be really fun to play Idris Elba's son. Yeah. That's true. Then you yeah. could say, like, that's I guess true. They, didn't, I they just, didn't actually share the screen, but, you know. No, because, yeah, Idris, uh, RIP, you died in the first one. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler it's alert, just one spoiler. of those. It's yeah. one of those things that I think about Sicario de Soldado that you're like, you have no Roger Deakins, you have no Emily Blunt, you have no Denis Villeneuve, and yet you still go ahead and you're like, why? Yeah, why make Pacific Room without Del Toro? That is the, the strangest yeah, thing. Well, so... I think he was going to do it originally, and well, then he asked he, for too much money. Yeah, yeah. so whatever. I think when they greenlit it, he was attacked. And then he wanted and to then... find out what Shape Water was. Yeah, you know? in classic right. Del Toro fashion, he was like, actually, no. I'm but the Hellboy, <laughs> well, I mean, at, for a time, the Hellboy movies understood that if you don't have Del Toro, you don't really have a sell yeah. for, mm-hmm. and they found that out again in 2019. With mm. like Pacific Rim, it's like, no one is like, I love the Pacific Rim property. You know, it's like, it's not one of those things where people are like, I love the lore of Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, like Jaeger, was it Jaeger's that, is that the Yeah, Max? but I think, I mean, people do love the film. I love the film. I will be upfront about that. Like, the, no, 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 sorry. I'm trying to say that Del Toro is the selling point and the oh, moment sure, you take him sure. out of the equation, yeah. it's a bizarre idea to make a sequel to it because sure. it's like, no but, one is hyped to see Pacific Rim 2 oh, because I, of Pacific Rim. Yeah, I totally agree, but it did make a ton of money internationally. Uprising? No, the first movie. Right, because uh, it didn't do super well in the U.S. It did okay, but it made most of its money internationally, and I think that's what why the sequel got greenlit because it made enough money. Um, I think it was just a business decision, as sad as that is. But I agree with you; it doesn't this it doesn't necessarily like the story doesn't lend itself to expansion. The well, it wasn't even yeah. I'm not even talking just like the. I just think the business decision itself, as in like to greenlit a sequel, is dumb it's not oh yeah. Like Del Toro. yeah as a business i think move, it's it's like, it's, yeah. e- it's just even weirder for boyega to do that in between star wars is yeah. like that's your that's your project in between it's a bad it's a it was a bad uh, horse to uh or what's the fucking expression um 
horse to hitch is that it yeah something like it Cart something like that you know fin- you know this podcast we don't give you all the answers okay sometimes we present you the puzzle pieces and we sometimes ask you to put them together i gave you like a somewhat of an expression that might be right and now it's your job to figure that out and make it make sense we and don't so know everything right exactly you know sometimes you you know we we can't do it all for you yeah you know this isn't exactly. you know we're not your tutors like we're kind of like your tutor sometimes sometimes hey, do we know everything you, no no we don't no sometimes <laughs> no, we have no. to ask you to do your own work no sometimes exactly. it's like yeah you got to finish a joke for us once in a while because maybe we don't make it correctly does That's john blagan need to be in pacific up pacific Rim uprising no See, we gave you that answer, but there you go. Yeah, uh, but he was, and he was, unfortunate, yes. I guess. And no, who knows? Maybe that movie's secretly good and everyone's wrong. But yeah. I honestly, no one had. There's not a single defender for that. Movie. No, God, that, like, sound, that sounds like a, I don't know, like a Screen Rant article, <laughs> specific or uprising. Good. <laughs> no, if anyone writes that article, they're doing it purely for the clicks. They don't believe a word of it. It just looks um, impossibly dull. That's not even. It's not It's just boring. It doesn't have any of the joy or the spark or the the passion, the Del Toro passion from the first one. Oh, Scott eats Eastwood. All right. Well, the moment you put Scott Eastwood, (laughs) okay, they knew it was gonna fail. All right, you failed. (laughs) You failed. I mean, come on. Like, unless you're fast. What? Which one was he in? Fast and Furious Seven. Was he in Fate? I think I it's know. Fate. Yeah, it's Fate. Fate. He's in one of them. Yeah, okay. The mo- unless, unless it's Fate, it, it's gonna fail. It's gonna, you know, he's never like. Yeah. You're putting if you put yeah, Scott re- in, you're you're dooming it. Yeah, I remember because I had my Fast and Furious rewatch or or not rewatch watch through. What am I saying? Um, last year, and I and he was in Fate. I'm like, who are you? Do, do I recognize you from somewhere? Because he, he, he just he's like so anonymous. Um, any other of you a Doctor Who fan? Um, do we talk, want to talk about Jodie Whittaker? Because my exposure to her was from this TV show uh, that's British, that was from the UK, uh, Black Mirror. No, uh, yeah. it, it's she's in this this episode of the show called uh, Entire History of You with which, Toby Kebbell. With Toby Kebbell, yes, and they're and it's one of like the like my top three episodes ever. Um, she's that a short ep- in that. Um, that ep- is that episode after or before the Haley Atwell one with the um Haley Atwell Domino Gleason is oh, that uh before before okay this is well, like okay, the second that... or third episode yeah so I have only seen however many episodes of this so I think the first four um and the back to back between the Whitaker one and the Atwell one was the one where was the combination that was like, I'm good, no more. <laughs> Broke you. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to. I I, I want to live through the night. Like I don't want to. Like, I want to. I yeah. want to be happy in my life. I don't want. <laughs> I was so just after the after well, the Atwell one and how it ended. I'm like I can't watch any more of these things. I I can't do. I like to. No, I, like I no, I much. I get that. I get that. No, it was just my I, thing. And people do. Was like, and they're amazing. Those both are those were both are great episodes. Even and the Clelia one too. I think is that's the second one. Um, yes, because it's the pig fucking one. Then the second. Then the mm-hmm. reality Spoilers. one. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he fucks the pig. You don't you know do? by now. Like- <laughs> no yeah yeah um it's so funny my, how he's like the big like he's the big star in that and then the next three are like actual movie stars yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like yeah. kaluuya um 
Well, I guess Whitaker and Hell aren't movie stars with my son. But okay, I guess. Well, you know. I guess my, uh, I mean we've never we've never really talked much Black Mirror on here, but I was a very impressionable viewer, like on it in its prime, like when the third and fourth series were coming out, and then like uh, going back and watching the originals that like I was like this is so deep and like technology is scary like I was was just like like a fucking uh Turley Brooker like like, he was like he was he got to me I was like what was this like seeing you know 17 yeah no that was like and the later episodes are so so terrible but like you know I I'll defend those like Anyway, those got to me at like a good age. Um, anyway, and yeah, they got to me too, about- as in they got to me so much that I was like, I can't watch this anymore. I had to turn it off. <laughs> they were. I had to leave. Yeah, it was truly that one-two punch of yeah, like yeah, I mean, that was the, the. I mean, that's their reputation. Is like the bleakness is like a trademark. Yeah, yeah. I, the but the Whitaker one is out of the four of Hawks was my favorite because it was up so upsetting to me that I couldn't get like. It's one of the maybe most upsetting things I've ever watched. Uh, and that and some of that has to do with like more like personal stuff that I'm not gonna get into really, but like there was some connections in there that I'm like, oh fuck, oh no, 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 no. And I would just like be thinking about it in showers and stuff. I'm like, God, what did I watch? Um, but she's incredible in that, obviously. Um, and she was uh then she became the doctor after Peter Capaldi regenerated. She is the first female doctor. Um I watched the first season of hers and then maybe one special. She has done two or three more after that and a few more specials. And she is now going, and now she is now leaving um, and she's going to be replaced by um, the co-actor of Sex Education, uh, not Asa Butterfield. I cannot pronounce the gentleman's name off the top of my head because I actually... Because I actually, I don't know if I know a single other person in that show besides Asa Butterfield. Well, besides, uh, no, 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 uh, there's a, 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 a what's her name? Uh, Gillian Anderson. Yes. This is um, a challenge. Wow. Yeah, he has a pretty, I'm pretty sure he's Nigerian. Um, okay. Or his family One, is from Nigeria. Nakuti Gatwa. Yeah. Uh, he's incredible. I've seen the, I think I've seen two seasons of Sex Education. He's incredible. He's a perfect choice for Sex, uh, sex, uh, sex with Doctor Who as the Doctor. Um, if we want, if we ever want a huge Doctor Who fan on the podcast, if we ever want to count one of the actual specials or movies like The Day of the Doctor as uh, as a, we could, uh, you know, the one where David Tennant, Matt Smith, all you know, uh, come uh, do a do an episode. Um, uh, the guy. Guy Dobie, uh, he mm. is a huge, huge Doctor Who head. Um, he's actually watched all of Whitaker's uh, appearances as the Doctor. I gave up because, so when she came on and when Capaldi left, uh, new writers came onto the show and they suck. <laughs> They're yeah, bad like, at writing. For me, it wasn't her, it was the writing. And I've had issues with the writing on that show for a long time now. Like I, right. yeah. I'm a diehard for a lot of that show. I haven't seen the original series. Um, I've only seen the the new one, um, and and Same. that and they're very in that and the Doctor Who series is so it's such a huge part of my teenagehood and my quote unquote childhood. I was a little too it wasn't a child when I started watching it, but like it's like a core foundation to like my media and TV diet. 
um, or not diet, but like memories. And it's so foundational to my, my entire being, but I, even I was just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, after the, like the rote where, oh, where's like an alien who's super racist, who comes to like 19, uh, what, the 1950s, uh, uh, where was Rosa Parks from? Oh God, I have to go back to high school history again. Um, but basically an episode where a real white, like a white guy who is an alien, but really is racist. It goes to like Rosa Parks to make sure she does. It's all bad. It's just really bad. Um, it's bad, bad writing. Um, and she is incredible as the doctor. Maybe, I, I don't know if she's like the better, I don't know. She just might be technically the worst of the series just by virtue of the writing she's given. Um, but she's still a great doctor and anyone who has ever argued that is bananas. She's incredible. Um, but it's just the writing is so bad that it's just, yeah. And I, t- I texted Guy because the, because the new actor and there's a new writing team coming on with the uh, sex, ed- sex education gentleman. I was, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, I'm probably going to get back on when he comes on. And I texted Guy, yes. I'm like, hey, should I even watch Verse of Jody stuff? And he's like, there are some high points. So if you're a completionist, yes, but I doubt it'll be that necessary because I think, yeah. Because I think a lot of people are in the same boat. It's just the writing got so bad. And they kept that same writing team for like two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my, that's, that's my Doctor Who corner. All right. Uh, that's, uh, Tenet is the best one. I don't, no one fuck with me when it comes to like, uh, you know, Capaldi's great. Smith is great. I think all of them, the new series have been good. Uh, fucking John Hurt was one at one point. Um, but no, uh, Tenant is the best and will always be the best one. That's my corner. That's my Doctor Who yeah. corner for all my Boogians. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of like Jodie Whittaker, how did you feel about her character in the in Attack the Block? Like, um, how? I guess my bigger question is like, how did you feel about the film's sort of the way it dealt with its themes of racial inequality and wealth inequality and um all of that kind of stuff because i really like it i think it's got a very light touch i think it's very um it's very sensitive yeah, yeah it's, it's not district sensitive. nine yeah <laughs> and it's very honestly pretty realistic i mean like i think about the ending and this is where i'm like i don't want a sequel the ending is perfect i don't want a sequel but like you know it's very um I think realistic, obviously it's a fantasy movie and it's fun, but it's very realistic about, you know, the type of treatment that Boyega's character would get from the police, for example. Um, And it's very, I would say, uh, doesn't really sugarcoat the interaction, the interactions between, you know, Jodie Whittaker's character and the kids who, you know, rob her at the beginning. Um, I think, I don't know, I think it's interesting that this movie has never really come under criticism that I know of for being written and directed by a white guy. Um, mm. Because I feel like it is kind of, it does deal with the topics that it, it addresses very sensitively and thoughtfully. Um, and it seems like he probably had input um, when he was writing the script. And I was just wondering what your perspective was on that, because that's just my I think opinion. The, yeah, for sure. I think the budget helps as well to where mm. if it's like the canvas grows so much for Cornish to then throw on too many ideas Mm -hmm. the eight mil I think it was maybe Mm -hmm. different in uh, pounds eight million pounds Uh, yeah 
Yeah. Uh, that's what that, I'm saying. It looks so yeah, good. For yeah, it looks great. Even no. double that, that's crazy. Yeah. I know. This is an ingenious movie. <laughs> uh, so I think that it's a very clever decision to see the gang mug Samantha and then we start to sympathize or we then start to humanize the gang afterwards but yet it's not that we're on their side for a portion of the film and then they start to be hooligans throw out like we start we're just like we need to learn to to see where they're coming from and that they're put into these circumstances and not that they're bad kids by nature yeah and I think one thing that always stands out to me about it every time I watch it is the sense of joy in it I mean Mm -hmm. it never hits me as poverty porn like it is very sort of upfront about these kids situations and it doesn't again it doesn't really sugarcoat it but like there's it doesn't define them it does exactly it doesn't define them and they still have this like sense of joy and this sense of fun and like they're like I don't know, even some of their more criminal exploits are just like them fucking around. Like, it's not like they're not hardened criminals. Yeah, like, they're, they're the little rascals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. um, and I love the way, even the way that the, um, the subplot about, you know, uh, hi-hat giving uh, Moses, John Boyega's character, the drugs to sell and like kind of initiating him into the drug dealing. It's Ron like, the weed guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like... <laughs> Um, it's almost like a moment of like, um, initiation or like, um, a moment of achievement for Mm. Moses. And like, it's treated that way too. Like the, the film I think is very good at, at operating on two levels where it's like, um, where it's not necessarily making a commentary on this stuff. It's like, oh, these are social problems that need to be fixed. It's like acknowledges that some of this stuff is like not stuff that a 15 year old should be dealing with but it also is just like this is his life and in Moses's life this is a cool moment and so you're kind of with him too I don't know I think it handles that like double valence really well yes because I, I think that it it um doesn't forget to stop being a coming of age film at the sake of being a genre film mm-hmm I think the biggest key with this film is the title, in a way. Attack the Block. Um, it The film is... Cornish knows and understands that you need to focus on the block. Do not focus on the greater world, greater London, blah, blah, blah. The block. Have your foothold, have your home base, have your foundation all of be about the block. Um, make that the soul of the film rather than, if, with any of your political commentary or social commentary, try, don't, you know, just think, just limit yourself to that area because that's all you kind of have the time and the budget and the interest to do. You're making a genre film and, you know, and you, but also, you know, in every genre film ever made has political commentary. Um, so, yeah, I think I think as a filmmaker, with the restraints you've been given, uh, whether monetary or uh, otherwise, it's like I think you want to understand where to put your focus in. What what are you trying to say? What are your you know the main themes? Like kind of map that out or think about 
think about the target before you start before you shoot your shot think about the bullseye look at the action it's so funny i when i tell when i teach kids basketball the thing that people don't realize is one of the biggest issues about shooting or making a layup is that you have to look at the basket before you shoot it a lot of kids don't do that a lot, especially if they're doing a layup and they're you know just like dribbling and they're looking down dribbling the ball and because you know they're trying to keep keep trying to make sure they're handling the ball correctly and then right before like right as they shoot they look up for the first time and see the basket and they'll miss it almost every time same thing when you're shooting you know like focusing on your dribbling and your stance or whatever and you just forgot to look at the hoop and then you shoot it yes with you you gotta understand what you're shooting for what the basket is before you do it and i think the cornish understands that the block is how you should put the entire viewpoint of the film in mm-hmm. what are these you know what are the kids experience what are their kids what are the kids experience about the block what does the block mean to them why do they feel protected about the block what is uh what is jody whitaker's relationship with the block like what is like why is she here that kind of like have that be the frame point don't you know not london not about like the british parliament not about the mass policing of britain itself how did how do you experience the police on the block how do you how this is not people- it's not the apartheid in south africa right, right right and i like too that in creating this sort of world of the block you'd never feel at least i don't when i'm watching the film it never feels uh constrained by budget and that it doesn't feel like a sparsely populated world like it feels very populated and alive and you have all these side characters who feel like they have whole lives going on outside the frame and you really i feel like joe cornish did a very good job of sort of sketching in and filling in the kind of world of this environment um and it's something that i'm always kind of struck by every time i watch the film is like the fullness of it you know yeah and there's only like five like and the cast is what like 30 people long like it's not a big cast and it feels like it populates entire apartment buildings yes yes and like you have you know the two little kids who go rescue the one gang member who's stuck in the trash can and you have all the girls that hang around and like give the gang shit and you have you know ron the weed guy and his you know i love that i love the character i can't remember his name um the the, posh guy who hangs out with ron the weed guy right like i think Um, ruin or something something yeah i mean he cracks me up he's just spot on of like the posh kid who's slumming it you know and right when he, when he says that he lives at home but then he says something about having to pay the rent and uh ron the weed guy's like i thought you said you lived at home and he's like well proverbially <laughs> and he and he responds like, oh, well you know, my you know God. all of us need to put you know you know we, we, all, we all need people to... who pay the rent proverbially <laughs> i pay the i pay the rent for proverbially yeah yeah me, me included <laughs> I, it's so funny to me though i just think about like the idea of yeah when especially how he replies um uh, you know, we all need to, you know, bring the bacon home, proverbially speaking. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so, uh, oh, Moxie's making an appearance. Um, it's so, it's so smart. I don't know, like all the comedy works, it all tracks, it all feels, I think the specific and nicheness of it all, as in like, you know, when it, you can even include the slang in what I'm trying to say, in the idea of it feels so authentic that it adds to the humor uh, besides to the film in general like it at like the jokes 
are funnier because of how real it feels in the sense of how lived in and like, you know, whether it be the act, like the block itself or these characters. Um, I love, 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 they don't pull any punches on the Britishness of it. I think that's one of the biggest keys of the film is that they don't, they're not, all right, we can't have this much British uh, oriented slang in here. We can't have, you know, we can't, we can't have them, you know, have this heavy accents. We can't have them make these kind of references. Like it was all very, because I feel like, especially in genre films and genre films that are trying to be more like, you know, be mass, um, or have this kind of uh, mass appeal. It's like they take away some of the again nicheness of it, like the like the specifics, the um, like cultural specificity, right? To make it, you know, like everyone needs to connect to it. But this is like, no, I mean they they British it up. <laughs> like they, it's like all of the you need subtitles for it. At least I do um, to understand like half the things they're saying. And as I think I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned this earlier. It's like I list I've you know, since I've actually watched the film, I've listened to two years worth of British rap. And now I kind of understand like what they're actually, what they mean by some of these like um, slang terms. Um, and Lay's yeah. Mom with Dairy Girls, of course. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I uh, think of the scene with Samantha and the neighbor, I think, where they're like, they're hooligans, like they're rascals. They're no more than than ne'er-do-wells that cause trouble and noise and um they, they're disrespectful to their community and yet that's just the complete opposite to the older generation's view of of kids in in a economic disparities um and that's interesting too where it's like not too focused on yet there's it just gets a scene from from the film to be like people aren't going to be people aren't going to be ready for when you have an extraterrestrial attack and yet like those are the people that are going to protect you right yeah because those are the people that are actually investing. and yet it's tied into like the commentary too. right and like you said mentioned Leo, it's like you know the idea of like the gentrification it's like those the people who are being gentrified out of their you know Places the quote unquote criminals and what fucking uh, Jody Whitaker says at one point fucking monsters. Those are the people who actually care about the community in general because yeah. they have nowhere else to go. That's their that they have no other options because and them being gentrified is uh, is is them is a threat against their home. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. where they live, their place yeah. of birth, their places they grew up, the places where their families are. That is a threat against them. That is not a threat to Jody Whitaker. Yeah, that, uh, well, and, and like, even just the yeah. line where Jodie Whittaker says, you know, she says it out of spite to the kids. She said that she just moved in, but she's thinking of moving. Right. And one of the kids is like, well, why? And she's like, well, I don't like the neighborhood. And I just love the sincerity with which um, the one kid goes, what do you mean you don't like the neighborhood? Right. <laughs> like, right. It's just like, get out then. And like, there's right. like, there is a, a level of privilege in that she can move out. If she doesn't want to live there, she can go find somewhere else. Exactly. And um yeah, I mean, again, I think that's like indicative of the light touch with which this film deals with specifically this sort of gentrification issue. Um, I think it's that theme is absolutely there. Um, but but they don't say the word once. And they don't say the mm, word once, exactly. For some, and, and nowadays, for some reason, I need that. 
for some reason nowadays i need you not to say the word because i feel like that's 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 my bait that's my requirement now because it feels like so many of these i mean i don't want to just keep regurgitating the same but like you know unless you're a complete satire i don't want you talking about your own commentary you know what i mean well and i think it 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 uh, it doesn't it shows a lack of trust in your audience to get what you're saying. Because the thing is, watching Attack the Block, you get it. This movie's very smart. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's yeah. The, and again, I think this movie is, like, it's fun and it's well made on the, like, for the genre elements. Like, it's just a great monster movie. It's a great action movie. It's super well paced. It's tightly scripted. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it feels like joe cornish trusts you to get it like he doesn't have to spoon feed it to you he doesn't have to tell you like again even with like the ending you know i don't know if we want to talk about the ending yet but i think the ending is we can yeah i think the ending is so powerful for its sort of um i I don't want to say ambiguity because it's not ambiguous but like you don't see moses go to jail you don't mm-hmm. see like the fallout of any of it. You don't or, see him getting released either. Right, exactly. But like, there's no. I mean, there's the commentary in that he gets, you know, picked up by the police, and then you have Jodie Whittaker's character like kind of trying to walk back what she's done. Like, that's a really interesting moment for me. Is like, there's no uh, real, real redemption for her that you see. Like, she set this <laughs> in motion, and she tries to be like, oh no, he actually saved the block. Right. You know, I you know, you have to listen to me, but like there were aliens involved. No one's going to believe her necessarily. (laughs) So like, that's a really interesting moment to me that like, she never really gets redeemed in a neat way. Um, And yeah. And then that moment of, again, the way this movie sort of mixes um, the, the reality, the way that this movie handles these kids situations is so amazing. Like, there's the reality of that he does get picked up by the police. Like, of course, they're going to pick him up. Of course, they're going to put him in the car. Of course, they're going to treat him like a criminal. But then everyone on the block chanting his name, that Moses, 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 and then that little smile that Boyega gets at the end. It's like this, again, this simultaneous moment of, like, celebration and, like, consequence and something bad <laughs> happening um, because of his, society, you know, circumstances. And mm-hmm. I love the ending of this movie so much. Um, I, and like I said, I don't want to say ambiguity. That's not really the word, but just for it's like the it way doesn't have that Cornish is comfortable having it both ways, right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't fully close the book. Like, you know, it doesn't have that moment where you're like, ah, done. Like there's still stuff that has not been resolved. It's very much an unresolved ending, even though, like, because you have no, there's, there's no implication that he gets released. There's no implication that, like, they are they're going to believe what he says, or there's evidence uh, that they can point to that they're going to be like, oh, yes, of course, aliens, we all know. All right, Mr. Boyega, please get off. Um, like, there's still that idea, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily amb- ambiguity uh, or any, it's not, man, I can't speak, doesn't necessarily have any ambiguity, but it does have some unresolved ideas and arcs that I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's a minor uh, miracle. The trailer isn't hokey and it doesn't give this celebration at the end because the movie is so much about consequences 
like the gang killing that first alien and then like the scent drawing in the rest of the rest of them and then it's just sort of like what uh samantha ultimately learns that she was she was wrong and about the kids and and about the way that she ultimately views the community as a whole and what what how unfair that that the treatment of living is for some people and it's just like the consequences of that right but then i also love the scene where john boyega straight up says he's like these aliens are a government conspiracy right the right police right. put the these in the hood and like well, not the hood whatever the british version of that is and um and his girlfriend just laughs at him like shut up like, <laughs> like that's not real life either and i kind of i like that moment of like where Moses's character kind of like states what like maybe a more ham-fisted version of this film would have like taken seriously and she just laughs it off she's like oh, come on <laughs> you know right the best purge movie is kind of that in a way mm. I don't know if that makes any sense the first purge is uh so the first purge is have any of you seen the first purge no Jack I know you haven't seen it so it's explicitly about how they experiment, like the very first purchase experiment in the predominantly black area in New York mm-hmm. and how that's like their testing ground for the idea of the purge. So it's before mm-hmm. all the purge movies. Um, and like the main, the main protagonist is like a, a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the one that like, this for movie will, I, I will be so happy when someone picks that eventually on the podcast because it's a really good movie. Uh, I like that movie quite a bit. Um, when it comes to like the social commentary of Attack the Block, it is, I, again, it's one of those things where it could be about gentrification, it could also just be about the overall, the, you know, they mentioned the police so much, mm-hmm. it could be just like, the, you know, the tightenings and um, targeting of white supremacy in mm-hmm. living and in just their predominant, you know, areas of uh, you know they're where they live and how it come no like you know you make one mistake and the entire force of it comes down on onto you um there's other ideas there uh, i do love i wasn't thrilled with the idea that like if that if boyega didn't do what he did that there would be no alien invasion i think that would be kind of stupid so for a bit of it, I was like, oh, that reveal of like, if he didn't kill it, none of this would have happened kind of felt like hollow to me. And then once they finally realized that she was a female, that if he didn't actually do that, it would have been worse mm-hmm. because then they all would have populated the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the more like, yes, he didn't make a mistake. And yes, he is responsible for the deaths of um, his friends. I mean, or like, you know, indirect responsibility of his friends because he was the person who you know, targeted the alien or whatever, but he also, by doing that also, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it, it doesn't make him feel like, it, it keeps him a hero. Mm-hmm. And it and it would have felt a little slight to not do that in a way, because I, and I know that sounds a little weird because usually uh, making someone a hero is usually the easier choice, but I feel like when it came to this story and in this kind of situation and this context, it's like, it would have just kind of sucked like, oh yeah, he just cleaned up his own mess. It's like, oh, well, that's- and I think that it fits more thematically with everything we've been talking about you know i think like the whole movie to a certain extent is about like these kids some of their predicament or if you want to call it that some of their like some of the stuff they get themselves into is their own fault because they're little shits and some of it is not their fault because of their you know 
their circumstances of living. And I think that the film really resists a very like um, simplistic or binary reading of that. And so I think I really like what they did with the alien part of it too, where it's like, again, like you said, like there were consequences to Moses's actions, but then on the other hand, um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you already said it. I don't need to repeat it, but I think like right, I think right. there's a resonance there, though. I think like that fits nicely. So after like Boyega's read the riot act about like pulling knives on people and like you know getting in trouble, and I love how he doesn't respond to any of it. He's all it's all he's just it's all facial reactions. He doesn't have anything to say because there's nothing. He can't really do much to defend it um, because she lives in the same. Like he can't say, oh, it's because of where like you know it's because of my living experience. It's like. I mean, in a way, maybe because of his lack of parenting, but it's also like she lives in the same same place too. Like she, you know, she doesn't do that. She doesn't. It, it, so he knows that any excuse he would have wouldn't really ring true in her eyes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm, I'm more referencing to the end or like when he, they're in the weed room mm-hmm. and he has his way to kind of apologize. What's the weed like, room? That's the, <laughs> that's the room where they... <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I love that exchange. It's Incredible. So good. It's yeah. so good. Uh... Um, and like he's trying to apologize to Jody Whitaker, and like he's saying, you know, I knew you were from the block, I wouldn't have done that. And he's like, does that just, and she's like, does that make it okay? And um, Pest is like, hey, please, like, you know, I, I, I don't, he has, he says something much more British and much more funny, but he's like, you know, like, calm down. He's trying to apologize. <laughs> um, and, and I think that it's one of those, that's one of the, the exchanges where it's like one that gets back to the idea of how he, again, he has more respect and more, um, and he's more protective of the block than she is, even though she is, even though like Jodie Whittaker is the good citizen, quote unquote, she doesn't like, she, had, she doesn't care nowhere near as amount as Boyega uh, does about living in the block. She doesn't even see, understand the idea of, like what loyalty or what uh, uh, like what that could do to how you perceive your living environment, how you could even like, def- like she doesn't understand what it is to defend your home because she's never had to. And she's not and part he, of the community there. Like right, exactly. There, but she's not part of it. And, and so that's when all those like, you know, the, the thematic stuff really works. But it's also just like, then you just have these two little kids running around named, uh, what is it, Mayhem and Props? <laughs> And yeah. just like <laughs> shoot, like spurt, you know, like spraying gasoline. At they're first, I thought it was piss. Yeah, at first I thought it was piss. But they're like, you know, they're you like, know, you're gonna they shoot set a- it up because they're like, it's not water. So you're like, right. what is it? Right. And it's like little kids, water gun, probably piss. But no, it's gasoline. And I'm like, where'd you get gasoline? Um, but no, I mean that's they're that's so funny. It's so so funny. There are some great kills in this film. Like, there are some quite creative methods of killing aliens. I totally forgot how gory this was, by the way. I, I totally... always forget that it's R-rated. And then every time I watch mm. it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is funny yeah. and I love it. And you see high, uh, was it hi-hat get his yeah, like, nose in the elevator. Off. That's another one of my favorite shots is when the elevator door opens and it's hi-hat yeah. and, like, just all the people he murdered in there. Yeah. Oh, Crazy. so good. But yeah, I agree with you. I always forget how bloody this film is too. I think because it's centered on kids or like young teenagers. And so- I, And also was like, oh yeah, none of them die, right? Like they end, like all, this ends and like all of them are live because they're like 16. They're not going to kill 16 year olds. Like, oh yeah, no, they do. They kill like, they're probably younger than that too because Boyega was 15 in the film. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. In the, in the, 
in the context of the story. Um, And so it's just one of those things I just forgot. And it's it's one of those things like, oh, man, I hope these guys come back in the sequel and you're like two of them die. You're like, oh, I guess they're not. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. How do you guys feel about a sequel? Because I kind of don't want one. I mean, if Boyega, if Boyega is that involved in it, I want it. That's what I told Jack. Jack messaged me like with the the article where Boyega was talking about how he's co-writing it. And I was like, that piqued my interest because before I was like, eh, I don't know. But that made me interested. I was like, if Boyega is co-writing, like I'm in. I also, think I don't really want cool. Cornish to be, I don't, I don't want to watch this stupid Netflix show or whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's good, but like, I want to watch him direct something. Like I, I, I did more cool genre shit. Right. I want, and maybe the Netflix show is, but you know, it's a Netflix show. I, 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 I've, I, I didn't even love uh, The Kid Who Would Be King. I didn't love that movie. I liked it. I, I didn't think it was like great or anything. I just thought it was. I would cover song. it. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I, and who knows? Maybe if they rewatch it. Oh, it's great. But even but even then just like watching attack the block just like yeah this dude needs to why is he like why is it it was seven years between that movie yeah seven years mm-hmm. and he was attached i think he was attached to direct ant-man at one point because i'm he's sure yeah he's him. this seems like one of those cases where it's just like your name was floating around a lot of boardrooms mm-hmm. and then oh yeah, absolutely yeah mm-hmm. especially with like it's interesting you know with the whole edgar wright oh. of ant-man and then, like, Cornish was also considered it, like, that connection as well. Well, Joe Cornish co- co-wrote the original script with Edgar Wright for Ant-Man. Um, oh! Huh. Yeah. I mean, a lot sense. of people worked on the script after. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Him Adam is, like, McKay. As it yeah. was filmed, but yeah. yeah. He and, I'm and sure. Edgar Wright co-wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't... Yeah, it's not, it's not like he's producing anything, I don't think. I don't think Cornish is, yeah. like, in the producing game. I think my my understanding is he's pretty much just struggling to write and direct the films he wants to write and direct and i'm he's sure just trying yeah. to get financing for that rather than trying to slot in wherever it seems it seems like if boyega and cornish want to do a sequel they have an idea for it and yes. they won't just do it just to like just for the sake that's my hope that's my hope yeah also Boyega probably has a choice. Cornish might not have a choice. Like, if he's going to, like, what other feature film can he really sell well, right now besides Attack the I mean, Attack I think the that's block? the thing. I think he, it makes sense for him to come back to this because this is, as we discussed, its actual popularity is maybe in question, um, but it is the biggest thing he's done, you know? So I mm-hmm. think it makes sense for Joe Cornish to come back to it. Um, and the kid who would be king doesn't have, like, a movie star in it i mean they have no. rebecca ferguson but she's not in that movie that much mm-hmm. uh, um so i think it's the, also the idea of him working with like a certified star, star. Mm-hmm. yeah and because that's the only way that he's gonna that movie is gonna be made is because mm-hmm. of Boyega. It, exactly um, yeah and e- even with all of the uh the things we talked about with his st- the status of his career in area now even he can pull that one off like even he can get that movie off the off the launch pad, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and I'm guessing it's probably going to almost be ex- not exclusively, but like it's not, it's that seems like a, like a like a more of a British financing and production kind of mm-hmm. deal. I don't mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel um, and I don't have any this to really I don't have I don't 
I'm not basing this off of anything, but it doesn't feel like an American co-production or financing. It feels like more of like a British thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, unlike we were saying, like it's Studio Canal and so Film British. Four. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I mean, the first one is so British. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just hard to imagine like an American company just coming in like, oh, yeah. I mean, they'll distribute yeah. it, but I doubt. I just, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I feel like this is gonna be a have you know. It's also, yeah. I, I, if I was Boyega, I would. I'm not saying Britain's all that great about you know uh black actors and how they're treating the industry obviously they're not but right now i think right. obvious ones have break from america right now i yeah. would i wouldn't be surprised if cornish wanted to do a sequel for a while but expected there to be more work in between attack the right. Black and kid who would be king and now it's sort of like you're going back to this only because you can't get much else finance who knows maybe atb2 will come out and then that's when there's momentum in his career. Layout, what, <laughs> I, you know what? These things just come to me. Leia, what were there reports of a sequel like throughout, like afterwards? Not or did it take a little time? You're because it wasn't yeah. successful, was it? Yeah. So right, right, when the right. Film right came that's out, why there was no talk of a sequel because it wasn't a huge financial success. Mm-hmm. Um, once the film kind of started to gain, again, I don't want to say it's a cult classic because I think it is more popular than that. Yeah. But once it kind of attained the aura of a cult classic and like people were talking about it more and and it sort of found its audience then people uh, and joe cornish in particular was started getting asked about it and he was like yeah yeah you know i'd be interested whatever if the thing came up and so People just about the about uh, just about the answer that everyone gives about a sequel, yeah, exactly. like if the, if yeah. the right things come into play, yeah. like <laughs> so people have been asking about it for a while, um, and then it did officially get greenlit, I think, in 2020. So it's been mm-hmm. kind of in pre-production for a few, a couple years. Yeah, now. but then that's when COVID, you know, it's like yeah, exactly. And so I thought COVID had killed it. I kind of thought, oh well, that's not happening until this week. You can't <laughs> kill the I'm block, like, oh, baby. They're working on it. Yeah. So um, I think it also might be a reason why Boyega would be interested. One, he gets a cover. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, he'll obviously have more of a, his production company will probably get involved. He'll have more of a say and yeah. uh, creative overall. But it's also just like, I don't know, man, his job seems very overwhelming. That whole industry seems super overwhelming. I would be hyperventilating every other second. It might just be good, but good to just go back to like square one in a way. Not, not, not saying he's like, make, he's like, He's going back in his career as in he's regressing as in more of he is just returning yeah. back to start in this in, in his mind in his uh, mentality and his like mental just to kind of feel like grounded again this is because i can just imagine this. like after the star wars pacific rim like all of this like huge, these machines and that have just been like like you've just been on this non-stop press tour in cgi fest for so long just kind of go back to the thing that made you and the thing that you probably that made you really happy like a good working experience it's gonna be a, such a relief but I no know. i mean honestly like i'm now more sold on a sequel now thinking of it as a career reboot for both cornish and buega that's how i'm thinking of it's it. been so long since we've done the star wars sequel trilogy that i don't even remember how much career talk we did for everybody but it's better that i don't because all of the things that john boy guess said about the experience came after we did that episode and it's now uh, most, better most of it yes yeah, right most exactly it, yes. yeah yeah the important stuff um, right um 
Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you have the Kelly Marie Tran business. And sure. There's a whole bunch of, I mean, we probably talked, I'm guessing we talked about that. Yeah. In the episode. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really, really, really like hands and knees, just like praying that Hollywood didn't fuck this up for Boyega. They didn't either, they didn't kill his spirit or they didn't kill his chances. Um, because I really want to see more of him as for like as long as humanly possible. Yeah, everyone does. He's not involved in any like controversy. Like, no, no, he's, he's so compelling to watch. I mean, yeah. just you know, he had, like you said this multiple times, Clay. But he has it. Whatever he, whatever it is, he has it. <laughs> like I mean, the moment, like the moment you, the moment he put on that hat and he had the samurai sword and he was getting ready to go out, like you know, he had the katana and he was like. Go, he was getting to ready to go out the go out of the weed room. He had the alien backpack, and another he was just getting ready. Shot, another fantastic mm-hmm. shot. Him between the rows of weed with the alien on his back. Oh, iconic shot. It's just like looking yeah, at him awesome. and just looking like, and he's so young too. And it's not like he's ripped or anything. It's not like he's fucking Thor or something. Like he's just like he's in good physical shape. But it's just the pure confidence and swagger that comes swagger, from him. That, that's the word. It, yeah, man, because it's it's one of those things. Like he doesn't have a very talkative. Like his character isn't that talkative. Like past probably has way more lines than he does, um, mm-hmm. just by the nature of the, the character. Yeah, he's so a wisecracker. Yeah, right. And a lot, of, but just a lot of him is just looks and physical stances and just like body posture. It's just one of the and so it's just and, and, it's and physicality. Yeah. So that that's what in physicality I've always talked about is such an important part to me of what makes a movie star a movie star. That's why you have Tom Cruise. That's why you know people people try to people sometimes wonder is Keanu Reeves a good actor? Fuck yes he is. Look at that physicality. Look at what he does as a physical actor. He's one of the better actors you'll find. He you know it's like he'll he's one of the better blockbuster movie stars you'll ever find because just purely based on his physicality. And I still in. Even if you take that away, I still think he's a good actor. But still, it's like it, so even it's not ask, about line reading, right? I mean, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen, and people sometimes laugh at, and not greatest, but well, I don't know. But like, what Vincent D'Onofrio does in Men, the first Men in Black is something is nothing short of extraordinary. It's like one of the greatest, like purely physical performances I've ever seen. I've tweeted about this. I've probably said this on this podcast numerous times. If anyone's a- ever asked me what do you mean by physical performance, watch that movie watch what he is doing um obviously that is over exaggerated but that is exactly but think about that kind of what he had what he was thinking when he was making all those choices now imagine every actor making that choice because they are you know it's one of those yeah. things where it's like he, all those choices he's making yes they are much more big and broad and uh, zany than every other kind of actor who's playing like a regular character but he's mm-hmm. still making the same exact choices and approaching it the same exact way as actors do just human beings. How am I standing? What way do I walk? What, and, you know, like what posture should I take in this emotional scene? So it, it is, and Boyega has that. And so when I literally saw him jumping over that couch with a samurai sword in one hand, and it's just like, oh, he's like, put him in every movie, like put him in all of the action movies, put him in all of the sci-fi movies, just put him in every movie, have him be the lead and let's just be done with this. This is not hard. It's um, easy to see why Abrams saw this. Yes. And yes. was like, 
that's our fin. Also, shout out to the samurai sword because that is exactly what a 15 year old would think is like the coolest fucking weapon on oh, yeah. earth. I would love I that. Love the, the what little... a 22 year old thinks as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. I'm, you know, 29 year olds. Yeah. Samurais or, or yeah. katanas are so cool. Um, but I love Give me shot. one for my birthday. <laughs> I know. I love the shot where um, I can't remember the kid's name, but the kid who grabs the samurai sword, he takes the middle, the smaller one first. And then he looks at it and he's like, eh, and he puts it back and grabs the bigger one. He's like, ah, we're going to need the longer blade to kill aliens. <laughs> it was a good I call. love that little visual joke. Yeah. It's like a little throwaway visual joke and it's perfect. He's <laughs> the only, only one of the other kids who broke out. He has, he was in a bunch of the CW shows um, or he's in one in specific, well, he was in, uh, oh God, this is when the Clay, uh, you know, 2017, 2016 Clay comes out. He was in Legends of Tomorrow, the DC mm. show. He was part of the mm. Arrowverse on the CW. Uh, he played uh, the other half. He, him, and Victor Garber were Firestorm. They were two like they were uh, like they cohabited each other's uh, or Victor Garber cohabited his mind as he was a superhero sometimes. Kind of like a carry carry thing in Legion. <laughs> Did you ever watch? That yes, <laughs> yes, you are correct. But imagine. Oh. But imagine if one of them was like an atomic bomb who shot at flames. Wow, then, that's intense. Yeah. It's cool. It was intense, man. Um, he's he has a horrible American accent. You uh, uh, his, his, <laughs> uh, you can hear his awful American accent in Edge of Tomorrow. He's also in. He plays one of the grunts. Oh, um, yeah. Good actor. I like him. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he's like set up for anything spectacular. Uh, his IMDb wasn't that. Uh, I wasn't that like enthused with what he's what ha- what he has coming down the pike already on recently. Would like but, to um, see something better, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but no, he's good. He, uh, he yeah. has this some emotional scenes in the Legends of Tomorrow show. Yeah. The one where Victor Garber dies. It's very sad. Oh. Yeah. R.I.P. Victor Garber. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. I mean, everyone yeah. else is like either like what occurs now. Who knows what she does after Doctor Who? The uh the white stoner kid is uh in british in like british hell or whatever like he just doesn't just doing he's only doing like british shit mostly mm. yeah um, i mean i feel like the british kind of acting ecosystem is so much different from the hollywood yeah. one like there are plenty of british actors that like they're in a like lot someone of always has a tv, TV show going on yeah, yeah. Carrie pieces and whatever and you see them all yeah. around but they're not like movie stars they're just kind of exactly like, no. character actors yeah it's yeah it's very different frost is what frost is i don't i don't think uh every everyone else of those i pest the other kid that survives or i guess there's two kids or the one of bigs or whatever does i think this is his only thing ever and pest i think is done two or three other things since then since this so it's like it's really been boyega and friends uh demore demar and whitaker in some sense i mean i bet this this plus black mirror got her doc Mm-hmm. but i don't even know because it's one of those things where it's like doctor it's like it's, she's just kind of a like she's in a lot of stuff in britain exactly like, and that's just how for a while and that's how they got eccleston that's how they got mm-hmm. quality that's how they got tenant that's how they got mm-hmm. smith it's just one of those it's the ecosystem like you mentioned but yeah it's mm-hmm. like it's uh, uh it, it's its own other breed over mm-hmm. in the uk across the pond if you will mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah across the english it, channel across the channel i i don't 
the Atlantic Ocean. I think it is surprising, but also not that there's not like, oh, so-and-so from Attack the Block went on to do set went on to have a string of hits because, because that, it's like we said it's boy yeah yeah that's the, that's the that movie it's yeah yeah that's like the that's the narrative coming out of this and boy yeah looks all the more stronger because he has this dynamite breakout performance and i think it it just makes the movie all the more iconic and it it it, it will its legacy will hold on because it's like these characters are so tied up, tied to the actors. There's no one that that will then be like, oh well. I, I, even for Boyega, I think he's like so tied down to Moses, where it's just like he doesn't do, he doesn't like do like a complete career pivot to where it's like, oh well, you're just trying to like cover yourself up from this one character you did early on. Yeah. I wish Finn was actually a little more like Moses, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. yeah would have been made those movies better yeah i mean i i I don't know that's a whole again that's a whole other podcast that we i guess we did record in a a, you know blur um but but but, you know i mean i'm so because when i first watched it it might have been the dialogue or it just might have just been like the overall not cheapness of it but like the low budget of it I, when I first watched it, I was kind of underwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I don't see what the hype is about. And then rewatching it for this, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is a great movie. Like, this is really fucking fun. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad I was able to give this a rewatch because it just, I, I, I think it was just one of those things where I, the genre, it, the genre-ness of it didn't speak to me the first time because I wasn't, it's honestly just watch like more Carpenter shit and then you'll kind of be like, oh, I understand. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that it's purely based, like this movie's purely attributed to Carpenter as in though, if you just, but if you just like watch more genre films, you know, stuff that is, a, that, that embraces its own cheesiness or limitations, like, Attack the Block. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I always yeah. bring this up. Attack the Block is one of my favorite modern creature features. Like, I always, like, I do kind of talk about it in those terms of, like, if you like monster movies, if you like alien invasion movies, if you like John Carpenter, like, those are the kind of jumping off points for when I recommend this film. Sometimes it's Boyega, but usually mm. it's like, oh, if you're into this type of movie, you should check this out if you haven't. And it's, are you a crawl head? You like crawl? I've never seen Crawl. You've never seen Crawl? No. Oh, you gotta watch. You crawl. gotta watch Call. <laughs> My oh, assignment yeah. for tonight. <laughs> yeah, but not Call. Crawl. I want to be clear because not the Halle Berry movie. Um, <laughs> That's the, the Call. Yeah. No. Well, well, then wait. What's wait, what's the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Is that the Cell? No. No. The remake that came out on Netflix with uh, Fuqua. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Um, the, the Dial. That would be hilarious. No, I, no, I, that would be funny. Um. <laughs> I think it's called The Call. I don't know. But whatever. You got to watch Crawl. That's like when, if, when you said feature, uh, a creature feature, that's the one that came to mind. Because that movie is so good. So, so good. I saw that in theaters. One of the best, one of the better decisions I've ever made in my life is seeing that in theaters. I'll watch, mm. it. I'll watch it and get back to you. Alexander Aja's 2018's Crawl. Or is it 2019? It's 2019. The guilty. That's the Jake Hall. Oh, cool. Yes, that's. I think right. since they're both because like, he's a, a, a yeah nine one one operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. now I want to see a nine one one operator tandem of uh fucking Halle Berry and 
um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, like, that what sounds, if that, the, that sounds the guilt seeing the call combined? <laughs> They're mm. dual 911 operators. Like, I'll oh, answer yeah. the phone faster than you do. They've teamed up. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's the that's the crossover everybody. I have not seen either, so maybe both of those end with them dying, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I also think like the real genre-ness of Attack the Block is kind of what I think made it feel like a disappointment to some people who initially like sought it out because of the Edgar Wright connection. Because yeah. this really does not feel like an Edgar Wright film. Like it has a much different sensibility. I think it's much I mean, a lot it's of black Edgar people Wright's... in it. <laughs> exactly. But I think like a lot of Edgar Wright's films like dabble in genre in 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 service of like his sort of brand of comedy, but they're not really genre films like, you know, even Shaun of the Dead. Like, I love that movie, but it's like it's not a very good zombie movie. It's right. just like right. a comedy and it's funny. It's um, different. It's different humor. Yeah, I it's think a that... different sense of humor and it's comedy first. Yes. not genre first yes. and so i think like attack the block is just a super solid monster movie a solid alien invasion movie like mm-hmm. it has its funny moments but its priorities are a little reversed from a lot yeah. of great stuff yeah. in my opinion and so i think people who came to attack the block expecting something more edgar wright ish were kind of like uh it didn't really do it for them um, i see the connection and i see like film for and studio canal like wanting to sell the movie like with the, it's sort of like how in bruges bombed and they tried to sell it as guy Ritchie, but right. yet martin mcdonough was an unknown uh uh in cinema that it's like you just don't know like what that flavor is going to look like yet y- yet here there are notable differences like how edgar wright isn't really that satirical uh mm-hmm. like this one isn't it doesn't wear its influence on its sleeve like I think right it's will. not like a um, total carpenter ripoff or like right. you know it's like not it, it, I mean and of course I'm not saying that Edgar right rips off shit I'm saying that like that's like you know it's bad boys too or whatever is fucking hot buzz and like you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Uh, day at the night of the death you know it's right. like right. obviously baby driver genre. is clearly the driver yeah right. yeah I don't I think that it's uncool now for me to for Edgar Wright to then be in comparison to this because Baby Driver has its baggage and Last Night in Soho also has its baggage. Okay, that this, it, is outside, it's, this is outside of your purview because it's 2021, but I would love to go on a podcast and defend Last Night in Soho. Yeah, I, love I, would lo- I would love that. <laughs> I would, I would, I would eat that up, yes. <laughs> someone, so, someone out there has something for you yeah, for so that. I, I'm willing wants, to bet. Anybody wants to discuss this with me, I'm yeah. ready. All right, keep going, sorry. There's got to be some kind of horror pod for you. But no, I just I just think in 2011, in on the cusp of that, third Cornetto mm-hmm. that I think he just in, in between Cornetto and Scott Pilgrim Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim also bombing like I, I maybe that's notable um I I just don't know I don't know 2010 I, or 2011 or 2012 2010 was Scott Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim's 2010 yeah, yeah. but, but right, I, like a, so, he had like a, a credibility and like a yeah. hard cool at that time Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's what I said when I said I'm an Edgar Wright fan, even though it's kind For of sure. cool to say that anymore because I feel like everyone who made Edgar Wright, like part yes. of their personality is like a. And I'm not now, even trying to sh- like I'm not even yeah. 
yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say. Cause I, I think he just, he means something different in 2022, I guess. Yeah, just no, absolutely. That, and so yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I think the market, yeah. like he was a bigger deal. He was like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, cooler in 2011. Yeah. So I think using him as the marketing but, hook made sense. It just didn't <laughs> sell the film properly. Yes. But he wasn't popular. That's the funny thing. No. I just wanted to make sure if I understood that Pilgrim came out in 2010, because I now find it so funny that Studio Four and Canal was like, all right, 20, you know, last year, we had that one of the biggest box office bombs we had of that year. <laughs> was directed by Edgar Wright. We think he's a big selling point right now. Let's have this movie be like an Edgar Wright film. And we all know that people don't go to Edgar Wright movies. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think like financially, his movies never made like a ton of money. But like I said, he kind of had like more cultural cachet yes, at yes, that time yes. that he doesn't necessarily have now. No, I know. I I, yeah. I just find but it. But it is funny. I, it is it funny. Is, <laughs> it, it just really got it kind of just goes to show you how this business is run. It's like even even failures don't really in, like make people learn their lessons. Like even it's like, you know, because I don't think Pilgrim was like marketed as not a, Scott, a, a Edgar Wright film. I don't know. I don't, I wasn't, wasn't paying attention during that, but it was like, I don't think it was mismarketed as in it's like a different film. Like I feel like they mm-hmm. probably marketed the film that they that we got. I just don't think people wanted to see it. Um, so but I that's just another find it, one that's found its audience. Like there are of a lot of people that love that movie. Oh yeah, in like I mean I I I, I really like that movie. I mean maybe so much close to love, but mm-hmm. that odd the fans of that movie are fucking crazy. So much so I don't know if people would take the right lessons from that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if podcast listeners could tell where Jack's eyebrows went when he said that, but they they went right exactly. They went where you think they went. They went up. Those eyebrows were moving. I do love the idea that the, the little aliens are like moths. Uh, I think, yeah. I think. Uh, I love that. I mean, the designs are impeccable. I, I just, but, yeah, they're so creative. But the line when, uh, when he, <laughs> I think when Bruin or whatever the fuck his name is, the, you know, the length, lengthy, you know, posh white kid, he's like, you know, he says they're moths. And Boyega's like, that's a weird, that's a weird, that's a fucking weird looking moth to me, man. <laughs> like, that's like a weird, like, that's, that does not look like a moth. Bruis. really funny Bruis. to me. Yeah. Bruis? Yeah, Bruis. Yeah. He says he's like these, oh, these, these names are amazing. I love right. <laughs> I'm a member of Affinity or whatever, like he says. And I'm like, that, it's one of those, that was one of those things where I'm like, well, that's a reference to something you don't know. Like, you know, like when he's getting dragged out, like, is that like a, is he like part of British Parliament or something? Like, I don't know. Is, like a, is that like a party? Is that like a company that's notable? Is this one of those, or like a the organization? It's just one of those things you just catch that and you're just like, well, that's obviously like a very inside reference. I will just never know. And I'm not going to look it up. He will, he was, yeah. I'm not going to spend time on that, but it's just yeah. one of those things. It's just like, oh yeah, this won't, that will never, never click. <laughs> <sighs> I do well, think it's interesting to see as well, like just to wrap up, I guess, like Cornish knew this was in the back of his mind, he kind of knew this was gonna be a cult hit. He didn't I, there there was someone who interviewed him when this came out, and they were they kind of explicitly stated, like, do you think you have the sleeper hit of 2011? And I think that's so interesting that in the moment you recognize that this will have a legacy, but not now. You have to be patient in your movie to find an audience. So wait, what did like you say? I, I'll 
I'll like put in the episode, but it's it's something along the lines of like I knew what I was making, like I I had my influences, like I wrote the movie that I wanted to make. I was given creative freedom, and it was I I can't remember it word for word, but it was a very well articulated answer. Um, now, Attack the Block is your directorial debut. Do you think Attack the Block has the potential to be 2011's biggest British sleeper hit? Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, Why? Attack the Block is uh, a relatively low-budget movie, but it is also an alien movie. But it's very different from the big Hollywood alien movies. It's very personal. It's about something. It's got a very fresh, young cast. It's got more practical effects. It's not so digital. What's it like working with Joe and the younger cast? It's one of it was one of those jobs where you you wanted to come back to work the next day. You know what I mean? You just wanted to get home and have your bath and eat your tea and then go to bed quickly so you could get up and come to work the next day, you know? He's like our brother, man, seriously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We all get on so well with that. He's yeah. like a constant Santa Claus <laughs> throughout the year. He's great, man. Yeah, yeah basically. Like, oh, man. It's like it's if like, you're feeling low, like, even if you came in just feeling low one day, mm, like, yeah. just these little things, what he would just say to you, it just brightens up your day. <laughs> there was so much energy on set between Joe and, and all the boys as well. Mm. And, I think there was this wonderful kind of innocence about making this film, which Joe, the first one director, and, and the boys having not done much stuff before, that it was just, it felt like a big playground, really, and we were all kind of there, and we had monsters and fireworks to play with as well. Now, were you influenced in any other way by other sci-fi or comedy or horror films? I was influenced by lots of different uh, types of film, um, particularly by John Carpenter, by The Thing, and Assault on Precinct 13, and Halloween. Movies that are kind of genre stories, but also have a bit of a subtext, a bit of a message there. Uh, do you have a favourite movie, Alien? I like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. Like, it's just a, a massive, disgusting slug thing. The Aliens from Close Encounters. It's my favourite Alien movie. It's my favourite sci-fi movie. And, uh, you know, I just like the fact they're, that, they're, that they're nice. You know, they come down and they do a little... With handshake and we're all friends, and I kind of like that. Although, you know, I say they're nice, but then they give all those people back that they've abducted. So I think they're nice when it suits them. Mac and me. Oh my oh, God. I just thought of it in the moment. Oh God, Jodie, oh, they should love that film. Mac and me. Mac and me with oh, the bubble gum at the end. I know. Oh, I used to watch that so many times. Yeah. yeah. Love that film. Oh, I've got to watch that again. I've I know. Thought of that since I was five. So you've got a choice between E.T. or Mac and Me. Which oh, it's a me? close call though, isn't it? Because E.T. is oh, so a... cuddly and he's little. Like, Keep God, him just... in your wardrobe. Yeah, but how big is Mac though? We had a tall family. Do you remember? Oh yeah, we had a tall family. It's been a while. I mean, you'd have a good day out with E.T. Mac and Me, wouldn't you? What a party! But Mac does break dance. Does he, yeah. does he break dance? Oh God, it's been it's years. It's been too long, but I'm like YouTube at lunchtime. I've got to see some of that again. I love the theme tune at the end as well. Yeah. And I just love his answer was, it's not the super hit of 2011, it's the super hit of tomorrow. Or whatever, like some stupid <laughs> shit like that. Like, it's, it's the super true, hit of 2012. That is, that was, like, that Gives the interview was, with the middle finger. Yeah, right. right I mean, right, it's right, kind right. of true, though, because that kind of was the trajectory of the film. Like, it kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It did find its audience later. Yeah, yeah and that, it, it's always interesting because, you know, sometimes it, it, sometimes we mythologize directors too much. I mean, okay, I know I'm saying a crazy thing right now. Please, like, hold on. Don't put your pitchforks up. We're overrate directors. I know, I'm sorry. Hot take. But 
I do I do think sometimes people just forget that it's like, oh yeah, they're like just like regular people. So them asking like, hey, do you think this is gonna be famous in five years? You're like, bro, I don't fucking know. I just made the movie. Like, <laughs> it's such a crazy question to ask another person. He's like, yeah. hey, you know that piece of art that you just made. Do you know how it will be received in the future as that's in like a cra- five that's a years crazy from now? Ask. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you think the cult, you know, as a society, we have changed in that time span? Do you think that change in the broader scheme of things will have a, a effect on people watching your movie go? Like, it's not just only, like not only that, but asking Cornish his first movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you know this directing gig pretty well, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you've done it a few times. And it's like, so how do you think this is yeah. going to be received in five years? Or By whatever. Way, the, it, if, it, if anyone wants to at you, it's at the Mingtacular. So if, yes. you know, if anyone can sound off on Twitter. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, speaking of, we'll yeah. get to the plugs in yeah, a short moment. Let yeah, favorite, favorite scene. scene. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, gosh, you're so good at this. I don't know. Leia, please, would you like one. to? Begin? I don't know if yeah. I can pick yeah. one. I've been thinking about it too because I know you always ask, and so I was thinking about it, and I was like, I gotta pick one, and I, I don't know if I can because it's so tight. Um, Over ten years of loving this movie, I know it's an hour and twenty minutes. Like because it's it, it's yeah. so funny because you look at like runtime, like oh, minutes. yeah, an hour and twenty eight or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. like take five, maybe even six minutes off of that for credits. Mm-hmm. That's a hour. That's an hour yeah. twenty, baby. Yeah. Oof. It's a it's Ooh, I, I make think... make me feel things. Oh my god. <laughs> Get out of town. Get out of town. I love the scene. I'll just pick one. I love them all. So take this mm-hmm. You like this movie? caveat. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um but I uh on this rewatch I'll say the like a scene that stood out to me that I enjoyed a lot was the scene where they're in like the the girls' apartment and it's that scene where um uh there are like the two kind of alien fights happening at once and you have um like the girls are <laughs> killing this alien with all these different pretty weapons. well pretty well like all these different like makeshift weapons from um her room i love that scene and i like the parallel with like the uh, the other like the gang kids out front killing the other alien and um i think that scene jody foster work. does it yeah, yes, she does. She Not Foster. In. Oh my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker, yeah. That's a different movie. <laughs> she comes in and, uh, and saves Boyega. Um, All right, I guess I'm going to shave him now. Yeah. I don't know how she talks. <laughs> but I like that scene in its entirety. I think it really, like, the kind of discussion scene where they're, like, bullshitting before kind of segueing into this, like, dual alien fight, I think really encapsulates a lot of the things that I like about the film as a whole. So that's my I love today. how the teenagers aren't dumb as rocks um because it's i think you know and obviously that's going to be inherent to a lot of genre films that they're just the characters are dumber than you would think or whatever and also hindsight's 2020 when you're in a uh when you're in a fucking like crisis moment like that you're gonna do some dumb shit but i do like you know the uh i think it was tia who was like get the ice skates like oh yeah that's a pretty good idea get the thing with the sharp edges on it like she said that immediately this is kind of like okay that's you know, make, having these kids be more competent than they, you know, like have, you know, have them make weapons pretty effectively. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's more fun that way. Kid. Like they're street right. smart kids. Yeah. Especially kids without kids. parental like, guidance. Yeah, yeah. Like they can take care of themselves. I mean, they're yeah. still stupid in certain ways, but like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they'd be able to handle themselves. Yeah. But I love the mm-hmm. ice skates. I love it when they kill sure. that alien with the ice skate. <laughs> 
the way Boyega gets his sword stuck and then you just have there's this like neat little camera trick where not camera trick but it's like you can't really see foster you just see or not foster, jesus christ now i'm gonna always do it you can't see whitaker just like stick the knife in the mm-hmm. uh in the chin of yeah, it's the a, alien it's a great you just kind of see yeah it's a real real fun real fun grand old time what if jody whitaker was in silence of the lambs she'd probably be all right yeah she'd be pretty good yeah good <laughs> Ready or not, here I come. You can have. Excuse me. They're gonna find. Listen to me. There's a dead one in my living room. I live on the first floor. Go and look if you don't believe me. You can walk right in. There's no front door anymore. Moses, when did you start going out of your maths teacher? (laughs) How'd you know that woman? We met earlier. He mugged me. Where? For real? That part I believe. That true? You robbed that woman? Yeah, but afterwards she fixed up my leg and we saved her from the monsters, so we're mates now and it's all sweet. We're heroes, isn't it? Heroes? Sides of you and a knife against one woman. Fuck off. Wrong. No, 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 don't build it up, love. It weren't all that. It never even touched you. The blade was to get over with quick. It was as scared as you. Blade? You're such a waste. Why is it always trouble with you? Why is it always someone getting robbed or beaten up or someone getting arrested? Listen, we can't deal with this on our own. We have to call the police. You can trust me. I'll tell them what really happened. You think the police is going to help them? They might not arrest you, but they'll arrest them. For murder of two police officers, vehicle theft, resisting arrest, everything that happened everywhere in the ends tonight. They arrest us for nothing already. You know what I reckon, yeah? I reckon the Fed sent them anyway. Government probably bred those creatures to kill black boys. First they sent drugs to the ends. Then they sent guns. Now they sent monsters to get us. They don't care, man. We ain't killing each other fast enough. So they decided to speed up the process. Believe. (laughs) (laughs) I told you not to do that. Do it at the window, yeah? It's pain relief, man. Ask the nurse. Excuse me, but what is that?
us for backup, helping fight the aliens up. So, where is he at? Demi could get a lot of sincerity out of her. <laughs> uh, I think that oh, my, my favorite scene is when they first discover the alien. And they're they're like this isn't Pokemon, <laughs> like there's just some really good banter in that, and uh, you know it's like Moses and, and and a bunch of the other kids they're like this is this is an alien, <laughs> and they just kind of like have this confidence, and and I don't think they they the line is exactly like that, but you know it's just it's just kind of like when they first the meet the little one, and, yeah, the little, little one, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Pokemon. Yo, shine the light. Like a fossil, isn't it? That's different. That ain't the same thing. That looks triple the size blood. I'd see the brother who's gonna fight that. Are you, man? Right now, I feel like going home, locking my door, and playing FIFA. <laughs> what was that? Hold on! Hold on, hold Stay! Stay! There. Holy fuck. Where from where? On top of the tower. Which tower? Can you get contacts in, bruv? Look. Bogo! Bogo! I know, man! What's he doing? Where's he gone, man? He's coming. I can see his eyes. Not show them things his eyes. Um, my my biggest laugh was like explaining Ron's weed room. Like that was just <laughs> fantastic. What's Ron's like, weed room? It's a room full of weed. That's Ron's. Or whatever the line is. Yeah, it's really, really funny. I also love that there's this there's this beautiful cut of so they they cut there's a cut to Ron and what 
Bruin? What is what was the dude's name? Bruis. Bruin? Bruis? That's a name, sure. Um, <laughs> it's fake. What a, yeah. Sure. Um, British people. Huh. Um, but like they're just sitting on the couch and they're holding the breath and you're just out, like waiting there for like two seconds, like. And then, and then they just they just they exhale like you they cut in the middle of them holding their breath for a very long time because they're smoking weed. Very funny. Love 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 when stoner like stoner comedy stuff is actually funny instead of just like right like a it's, fucking t shirt. Clever. Right. <laughs> right. It's like oh weed makes stoners. Ha ah, They like the, they have the munchies. Like it's not <laughs> like that's that's like half of like stoner comedies now it's just like <laughs> what if they had eyes that were dilated oh right, they, right, right. like ganja they have tie-dye you know all this shit so like their parents are trying to talk to them but they keep right. echoing or like there's bob marley music playing <laughs> speaking of stranger things right uh, um they're <laughs> I also do love how the white kid uh, Pest is very much like he does the most like Jamaican West Indies slang out yeah. of all of them. Yeah, and it's so smart and it's so funny because that because you know again if you as my as most of my experience with a lot of this this side of culture in Great Britain is through rap is that you can tell like oh my god like white people have appropriated so much Jamaican and West Indies slang. It's ridiculous. Well, it's bad. Like, like historically that's been a large population of the Huge. black residents of London as like Huge. the Windrush generation and people from Jamaica. Huge. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so a and lot then, of yeah. the kind of London black culture is rooted in um Jamaican right. and, culture and, and now it has become a commodity. Like all the things and white people have been abusing it. Yeah, so good, so cool. Love it, love it, love it. Um, it's it, it, it's just so funny when I think he says Ross Clot at one point. Just like this, like little white kid with just like complete insincerity of just like I think after he has to give up the ring, he's like Ross Clot, and I'm just like, oh my god, movie, you know, <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing, you know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> um, my favorite scene is I think I feel like this is gonna be like this would be maybe. Mm, I would be the only one who would choose this scene if they were asked a favorite scene of the movie because I feel like it's very specific. It's when Jodie Whittaker asks for the cushion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a gigantic scene to me in a lot of ways, the character dynamic, power dynamics, but she basically just doesn't take, isn't going to be like intimidated by anymore. She's just going to say, give me the cushion. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, there's this like kind of machoism going on. He's like, I'm not gonna give you the cushion. Like you just you're supposed to fix it. Like he doesn't say anything. And it's all it's almost she's the only one talking. It's it, he's all you know, like again, it's not uh, verbal, body yeah. body language yeah. and stuff. And so and she just has this I think Jody Whitford is actually really good. I, I I'm really it really pains me so much how how they fucked her over with Doctor Who and how bad those writers are because she would have been she could have been the best one. Uh, and I truly believe that. Um but and so she just has this just true show of it's a transition period it's a transition point i mean it's that and when she walks away from the elevator those are the two big transition points of her character in the sense of her relation to the ruffians uh the um 
no, I, I, they don't have a, they're not like a group name. I don't know, like the, not, they feel like they should. They should, they should. I think that was a big, <laughs> big missed opportunity there. If this um, was an 80s movie, they would have a but, name. Right. Yes. <laughs> the Boyega crew. I'm going to call them the Boyega crew. Um, but that's her, that's when the kind of shift in the relationship changed with Boyega crew. Because she's like stands up for herself, but also is like trying to help them. And is like, you know, being able to command, like, not command, but just be like, you help me. This is, I'm, I'm doing the best I can right now. I need you to participate. I need you to look at me as like, I am helping you guys instead yeah. of just a snitch. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's when the fact that she's not like a professional nurse yet, like comes in, in handy when she's not like overly professional or something. Right. And yeah. she, and yeah, I love, I love the line of you curse too much. And she's like, yeah, you have a potty mouth, bro. And it's <laughs> so funny. Um, just, and I really, I also love. That's a very like, kid thing to do. Yeah. And that, and that also, and Boyega's reaction to her, just like putting her foot down, like, no, give me the cushion. It's so kid. Like, he's like, what? Give you there's a cushion. It is like, it's all this like real, like, oh, I, you know, I'll finally listen to you. It's like, she's her, like, it's like, she's being his mother at that moment. Cause it's like, she is putting her foot down and he's like, reluctantly, he doesn't want to look like she's actually, he's actually listening to her because also he's with all of his friends. So he kind of just like begrudgingly kind of gives her the cushion kind of, then she grabs mm. it and like pushes, you know, it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of great acting character moments happening in that one scene that I just really appreciate. And I guess I could just also take the whole, her period, you know, patching up his leg part, but but that moment in particular stood out to me. Yes. Sorry, I messed up your couch. Don't worry about it. Can we just take them off? That won't be necessary. You sure? I got nice boxes on. Genuine Kelvin Klein, fresh today. Tell me if this hurts. Try me. Ow! Hurts! How about this? Hurts, 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 hurts! You've torn a few minor arteries. You might have a fracture. You need to get this treated before you lose too much blood. Do it then. I can't do it. I don't have the equipment or the skill. I've only just graduated. And I missed the class on alien bite wounds. Stop hyping, man. Pass me that cushion. I said... Pass me that cushion. <laughs> oh, don't take it out on me. I've seen you around there before, you know. You lived there long. Couple of months. Hmm. Nice place you got. Thanks. Thinking of moving. Shame. Why? I don't like the area. Now, what do you mean you don't like the area? And what's wrong with the area? Fam, stay. There's like 160 doors in this block. Listen, whatever kind of gang war bullshit you're involved in, leave me out of it, please. 
Hey, this ain't got nothing to do with gangs. Or drugs, or rap music, or violence in video games. This is the worst night of my life. Feelings mutual. <laughs> Moses, ninja, tango neutralized. See, is that a dog? No, that is not a dog. That's black, too black to see. That's the blackest black ever, fam. That's blacker than my cousin Femi. Hey, where's that woman? After what you put me through tonight, it's the least you can do. No way, man. She's bare annoying. Make her leave. Let that snitch get murked. Dennis, man, why are you acting like such a prick for? I need the nurse. Do you want me to die? You can't stand around here arguing. We need to roll now. My name's Sam. Jerome. I'm pursed. No, man. Dennis. You're Moses, right? You're gonna need a weapon. Um, before we let you go, because it's been a while, I feel as though, uh, since we've asked this, do you believe that this is one of the great directorial debuts of the decade? Um, I think just personal taste-wise, I think yes. I, I think I that think, should be defined, yeah. Do you think it's yeah. one of your favorite? I yeah. mean, I think it's one of my favorites. Yeah, one of my mm -hmm. personal favorites. And I think- Genre-wise, um, that even taking it out of the personal taste, taste-wise genre like a genre de debut mm. kind of unquestionable yeah. so i think so and i think it's, yeah. it comes down to what you said at the beginning jack it is so confident the writing is confident the directing is confident like it is a all of the ideas are there and fully formed and it's just so assured everything about this film feels yeah, confident. Like, I got to get out the yeah. thesaurus and come up with a different word. But, like, it's, <laughs> like, there's nothing about this movie that feels like a directorial debut to me. For sure. It's, it's so assured and um, it's so fully formed. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, yeah, I think it is. And yeah. it makes it all the more um, disappointing to me that, that, Joe Cornish has only done two films. Like mm. I, I can't wait to see more from him because um, we can't wait to see more from him. That's not a Netflix TV show. It's not a Netflix yeah. TV show. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, oh my, uh, this has been an absolute blast. Please come back to us. Uh, everyone, go listen to your pods and Oscar podcast. That's soon coming. 
Yes. Uh, where can everybody find you? And I just, you know, we've already talked about you, but yeah. So one, once can... more, say where you are. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Mingtacular. Um, I post all my writing there. I post my podcast stuff there. I um, co-host a podcast called Fang Club that is about 21st century vampire films um, and TV sometimes. So you can find me on Twitter at Fang Club Pod um, there. And I also just started another podcast called Oscars Podcast. That's podcast with two A's because I'm a dummy and picked a title for a podcast where the joke is visual. Um, But (laughs) yes, so Oscars Podcast, podcast with two A's. um, And that is the new podcast where I am going through Oscar Isaac's filmography. And um, Jack and Clay have been on Oscars Podcast. I'm not sure if your episode will be out by the time this episode airs, but it should be. This one is out is out around the same time yes yeah. this one's like so, mid to late september yes so um please definitely check out uh that episode as well um we had a great time and i think that's i think that's it find me on twitter that's the short answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, have you covered the, the television show supernatural on your vampire podcast yet? i have not because my co-host has a very unhealthy relationship with that show. She has told me, unironically, she's like, if I ever start watching Supernatural again, you'll know I'm clinically depressed and you have to come help me. So I'm not going to make her watch it. That <laughs> is okay. Understood. Yeah. And I understand what exactly what she is saying. I, I, com- I As someone, you know, I named my dog after one of the fucking characters. So I, I get it. Fascinating. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So maybe one day. Maybe I know the you're vibes. In the, I know the vibes. I know the vibes. You're in the AA group meeting together. Mm, yeah. Now I'm actually thinking about I did get into that show when I was clinically. That's so funny. I got into that show when I was clinically depressed. That is actually, I never huh. even really, I never thought about that. Fuck. Okay. Now she kind of ruined my life. All right. Now I'm going to have to. <laughs> oh, God. Me, I'm going to have to tell Brie to write you an apology letter. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I'm going to have to decompress a little bit after this. Um, Jack, where can everyone find you? I'm on Twitter, uh, Jack A. Draper. I'm on Letterboxd, Jack Draper 7. This movie is streaming for premium subscribers on Stars. Um, that's how I found it. I bought you the Stars Am- account? I bought the Amazon add on and then canceled. For this um, movie? Yeah, I do for like a ton of movies. Yeah, of course. Uh, but the I you'd expect this to be available like a few places, but maybe it will in circulation, like Eventually. It was on Netflix for a long time. It yeah. was hanging out on Netflix. Like around yeah. 14, 15, 16, it was hanging out there. And I think that's I bet. when a lot of people saw mm. it. It's also like on sale on iTunes a lot, if I remember correctly. Oh, like, like a lot of times it'll be like four bucks or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just stoked I finally got around to it. Uh, I love the episodes like these that someone brings me something that I've just been mean to watch for a while. Next time we will be doing Agnes Varda's Swan Song in Faces Places with Valerie and Hoffert. A movie I have not seen. A movie you will love. I've only seen one Agnes joint. Um, is, um, well, a movie I could name if I can just say it correctly, if I don't fuck this up. Uh, 15, 7, no, oh, God damn it. I was going to say 15, 17 of Paris, the fucking Clint Eastwood movie. No, um, it's um, Cleo. From five I to love seven. this movie. Five to seven, is it what? Is it Cleo five from five to seven. We follow her from five o'clock to seven o'clock. Oh, for some I reason I thought say nine to five, but it's not. It's from five to seven. 
<laughs> Capital and run in my brain. Yeah. Wow, I really <laughs> fucked up that title. You know how much I love Cleo Nine. Or, oh shit! Now, goddamn it! All right. Well, no, I'm oh just gosh. gonna stop talking. Um, okay. everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterbox. Follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. Follow the podcast where we're kind of ETT Pod. Um, you can send us an email at exitinggroove2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us uh, five, star, five stars on any podcast platform you listen us on two, please. Um, share us with a friend, retweet, and find people on the street, slap them on their ch- uh, chest, and be like, hey, through the 2010s, do you listen to it? And fan club. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and then, after that, you get a skateboard and you ride away. Um, yes. Those are that's that's the appropriate way to recommend this podcast to people i'm gonna try um that's my new thing now i'm gonna try remember uh, like create a scenario like that every episode now let's see how let's see how i do it creative way yeah create yeah, yeah, yeah. create that scenario and then you have to go off and watch crawl yeah that's the that's the assignment oh yeah. top of my list now. i think i what, can't wait until we cover that fucking movie that Sorry. that would be something that i can absolutely see someone bringing us and what i would also recommend to people um binge exiting and fan clubs episode of a girl walks home alone at night i was gonna say i yeah. think that's pretty cool a lot of vampire talking that we one. have yes we have that uh, ability to just be like you know both of us have that Crossover. in common you know? yeah <laughs> um yeah well thank you all so much for listening please be good to yourself stay safe and as always we'll catch you next time on exiting through the 2010s mm-hmm.